Welcome to the fifth episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and sous vide fanatic, Adrian Pinter. How's it going, man? General Kenobi, it is going oh so great. How are you? I'm fairly okay. What's going on that's so great for you? Oh, you know, I uh, recently got a promotion at my job. Oh. I'm on a bigger and better things possible oh we'll We'll find out hopefully it works out that's great news yeah is that it that's that's all you have (laughs) you know we're another week closer to me getting my beautiful dog ellie my little princess yeah when is that happening again that is on august the 20th i ensured that in my new position i could still get those days off so i am happy about that um it was a husky chihuahua mix no no it was actually a uh, golden pyrenees which is a great pyrenees mixed with a golden retriever oh yeah the mother is the golden retriever and she was she had intercourse with a great (laughs) she had intercourse with a great Pyrenees yeah, dog to uh that's, to that's create, how it happens to create my little princess my soon-to-be princess ellie eleanor and uh just another week closer my lovely girlfriend she actually uh set up a really cool thing for my birthday it's coming up it's coming up soon in a little over a week we'll still have another episode prior to that but but the monday that it releases guess what it's my birthday and for that she made a really cool creative sort of like birthday gift sort of thing where every day leading up to my birthday, I like punch a hole through this cup thing. I know. I, punch a hole? Like yeah. Like with your fist? Yeah, with my fist. It's like these cups on this Bristol board essentially, and they're they're listed for every day in August leading up to the 10th. And I hit it, and then I find this little icon. So for this morning, I, I did the first one. It's a little thing. When I punched through it, it's a, it was a soccer ball. And there's 10 gifts that she has laid out for me. And there's Wow, a, 10. I know, I know. I went pretty ham on her birthday, uh, and she's, I guess, trying to one-up me. And there's a soccer ball. I feel on like the, this only leaves room for disaster if you keep one-upping one, one upping each other. I know. Own. Eventually, I'll have to kill her. Anyways. But I, um, <laughs> I like that's the solution. But Anyway. Sure. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to kill her yet. Anyways, uh, so there's a soccer ball on one of the gifts, so I open that, and then there's things in there, and, and for that, it's... Uh, it was a soccer ball that you got as a gift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How did you guess that? No, it is not. It's a little soccer ball on the gift. It's a her card, essentially, thing. I'm like, oh, get ready for your birthday gifts. And then, um, like, the money she's putting towards Miss, uh, my, my little princess Ellie as well, which is really nice. So uh, tomorrow morning when I wake up, I get to open my gift two, gift three, gift four, all the way until the 10th of August. It's like the 12 days of Christmas, except... Except it's the 10 days of birthday. Adrian's birthday, which wow. is far more important than any Christmas ever. So all I'm saying is, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a good couple of weeks. I'm getting ready for it. And then literally the day after my birthday, I start the new gig. So that's exciting. But yeah, what's new with you, man? What's new? How are you? I haven't spoken to you since quite literally the last podcast because we don't talk outside of this podcast. Of course. I don't know. Same old, same old stuff. Just staying at home, trying to stay sane types of things. Going to the grocery store. Oh, the grocery store. I've yeah. heard of that. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's my, that's my life. Oh. It sounds very boring. I, I make, no, I'm not, 
you know, entertaining anyone here. What did you purchase at the grocery store last time you went? I got a sous vide. No, you didn't. You liar. No, I didn't. <laughs> you liar, you. I thought I'd try to entertain you at least. Uh, I love a sous vide, though. I know. I know you yeah. do. Yeah, uh, what did friend. I purchase? I purchased food at the grocery store. What well, a silly question. Well, obviously, I was more referring to the specific food. I got some uh, plum sauce, some uh, pot stickers. Oh, dude, cream. I love. Po- Did you go to Costco? I also, yeah, I went to. I actually got the pot stickers from from Costco, Costco dude. I know exactly. Are they good? Because I haven't. They're had delicious. Them yet. The pork ones, the pork. Uh, they were recommended. Uh, the blue ones. It's like a blue packaging. Yeah, blue, blue packaging. Holy. It almost looks like it would be there would be shrimp inside. Um, Am I wrong? You know, I can. I, I understand where you're coming it's from. It's clear with blue. Yeah, it blue is pork writing though. and accenting. I can't wait for you to taste those pot stickers. They, They're that um, great. I'm a big fan of them. They're this came like, recommended, but not from you. So this is actually interesting. Yeah. So let me tell you a quick story about uh, the time I went to Costco uh, about a year ago. And they had, you know, you know, when you go into Costco and they have all these little booths where they're making things and all of that sort of stuff and you get free samples. Half the reason I ever go to Costco, I sometimes don't even buy things. I just walk through Costco. You do not. You go to Costco for free samples and that's it. Exactly. Are you a homeless man? Uh, I could be. I'm not. But if I was, that's definitely where I'd go for some food. Anyways, I, uh, I, I was walking through the aisles and lo and behold, there's a lovely, lovely lady standing at this little booth. And I was like, hi there. Nice to meet you. My name's Adrian Pinter. No, you did not. I, no, I did not. Anyways, <laughs> I started speaking with her after she was like, I'm making pot stickers. And I was like, what are these things? I've never had a pot sticker in my life. She fed me one, put, grabbed, grabbed it with a chopstick, inserted it in my mouth. I started chewing. Is this post-COVID or pre-COVID? This, this doesn't is, sound safe. It was a year ago. If you were paying attention to my story, I led with that. Anyway. Oh, sorry. I just feel like I've been in COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic for- 8,000 million years. Literally. It feels like that. Does it not? It's, it's been a while. Yeah. Anyways, I had the pot stickers and they were delicious. And then I bought a few packs. And since then... I ensure that I always have a pack in my freezer. Is that so? I'm not even joking. Wow. I don't have one right now, though. Oh, I kind of want to make these it. right now. I just, ma- I just made just them. Do you want to just stop the podcast and we can just go make pot stickers? Okay. Okay. <laughs> no. no. All right, we're, we're back from making those delicious no, pot stickers. Not. Those were <laughs> absolutely delicious. I'm just, a big fan of them. I think there was a bridge of my laughter over when you just <laughs> said that. So I don't think that that would be some premeditated. They're really good pot stickers. My recommendation, though, when you're making those pot stickers, right? So obviously follow the like follow the instructions. That was my intention. Yeah, but my big suggestion is dice up half an onion. So once you get the one side crispy, toss in your onions in there. Cook them with the onions, Simon. Get a piece of garlic ready as well. Why wouldn't you cook the onions first? Because, Simon, the onions will burn prior to the crispness of the pot stickers. Very I don't know. obvious. When I make pierogies, I cook the onion first, but they don't burn. Yeah, but you don't, you don't, do you crisp up your pierogies? Yeah. I don't know how you're cooking these pierogies, then. You're, I guess, a master. I'm pretty good. Anyways, what I'm telling you to do is you crisp up one side of the pot sticker. Right. You can flip them, you toss in the onions, you saute those onions a bit, you toss in a few cloves of garlic, you mix it up. And then you put in like the soy sauce packet that they give you, squeeze in half a lemon or a lime. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Turn off the heat, toss it a bit, put it on your plate. Delicious. I didn't buy any lemons. That was a mistake. It wasn't. I will, uh, I'll bring you a lemon tomorrow. I'm not going to talk to you when I do that, but I will bring you a lemon tomorrow. Okay. That's Anyways. because we don't talk outside this podcast. Exactly. Is yeah. that correct? Never. Never. Right. Not even once. I don't even know how we decided to start doing this, honestly. It was difficult. It was very difficult. I would say, yeah. There was a lot of messages passed. Yeah. Through different people and various sources. 
I'd like to start this podcast off with a little bit of show corrections as we've done in the past. I love show corrections. There are quite a few corrections this time from last show. We talked about quite a few topics last show because of Comic-Con at Home, which we're going to dive into a little bit today as well. So we're going to talk about the Justice League Zack Snyder cut. But the first correction was uh, a mistake that I sort of made. I made a reference on the last episode to the Netflix show Mr. Show with David Cross and Bob Odenkirk. And I kind of referenced it as something that's similar to the Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz improv special. They're not really that similar. One is a live studio audience, certainly with Mr. Show. And the other one is more of a stand-up special type gig with the Ben Schwartz and Thomas Middleditch. So I just wanted to clarify that just because, again, we believe on our show that what we say matters in terms of it accuracy. Does. And there's a lot of misinformation floating out there. And so we wanted to make sure that it, we're as accurate as we can. The second correction is that The Fear of the Walking Dead is not, in fact, show run by Scott Gimple. <gasps> I don't know if you didn't know that or I didn't, didn't know, know that, that, but here I am to uh, set the record straight. Please set it straight for After me. season eight of The Walking Dead, AMC executives made a change and promoted Gimple to chief content officer at AMC, specifically for The Walking Dead TV franchise. Uh, there was actually a, a Fear of the Walking Dead showrunner change because they changed it from Dave Erickson, who ran the show from seasons one to three, I love Dave Erickson. Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg. Gimple was showrunner for the original The Walking Dead series from seasons four to eight, and now sits as an advisory role in an advisory role on the both shows and the new show that's coming out later this year if all things go Fear the Walking Dead, it's just a bunch of kids. Right, like Fear the Walking Dead, but it's a bunch of kids? Yeah. What's the name of it? Do you remember? Yeah, I just said it. It's Fear the Walking Dead, it's a bunch of kids. No, it is not. It is not. I don't recall. It's like something the world... The world is run by a bunch of children during a zombie apocalypse. Well, I'll, no, they're traveling across America, and it's a bunch of teenagers as opposed to ugh, the adults. the least favorite thing in the world. So anyways, last, last week world. we specifically said that Scott, Scott Gimple was the showrunner for Fear the Walking Dead, so that's where this correction comes in. It's not correct. Uh, he's not been a showrunner for a year at least, just because they promoted him, actually. So I don't know if he's ugh. not loved. He's been promoted at AMC. Huh? Uh-huh. I, honestly, you know what? Good for him. Some people blame him, actually, for Fear the Walking Dead regardless, just like you did. Even though I do he's blame not him. the showrunner. The advisory role that he's sitting in, they believe that he's actually causing issues in that role. And he influenced Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg enough that they ruined the show. I don't know how much influence he actually has, though. There is a... I, I noticed, I don't know if you've looked this up at all on the internet... When researching this specific topic, uh, I discovered something called Gimple Speak. Have you heard of this? No. <laughs> Gimple Speak is basically when some of these characters start to ramble and start to talk about their own internal morality. And so the one character that really suffers from this probably the most, I don't know if you can tell me, but is Lenny James. Yeah, Lenny of course James it's Morgan. Character. Because he, Morgan. Yeah, Lenny James is a great actor, by the he's way. Fantastic. He's fantastic. I really like Lenny James. I'm, I'm very excited for him to be an Invincible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I just realized when I was reading about Gimple Speak, that's my biggest problem with The Walking Dead, is that people just keep rambling about how they're, they're ethically sound, or uh, I believe that the meaning of life is this. Like, I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. Show us with your actions. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like what they us. did with, uh, like, like, Carol, who, who I think still was an awesome character, but they really, they did the Gimple Speak to her, apparently. That's what the biggest criticism of him is. But if you look at some of the episodes he's written, like even before he was showrunner or while he was showrunner in season four, 
Some of them are pretty great. Like Angela Kang, who's now running The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. like the original series. She's got really great episodes in there, if you if you look at what she's written. And it doesn't seem like, again, he was an advisor for The Walking Dead show as well last for season nine, I should say. not I guess for season 10 too. But for season nine, and we both watched season nine, and I think we both agree that it's a great season. I, yeah, yeah. So I'm not definitely. sure that he's, I, I don't know, maybe Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg are also not the greatest. And so the combination of him advising for them, he's their, apparently the reason Morgan moved over from The Walking Dead to... Scott Gimple is the reason? Apparently. That's that's the rumor. But again, because mm. he's, he's mm. now in charge of all the franchise, right? So he controls everything. And as a result, he can move characters around all he wants. As well as the movie that they're making, the Walking Dead movie, apparently. Well, it's nice to know that now I can not only blame one person, but, but three people. I think it's mostly the showrunners who for, are for, for the shit show that for the Walking Dead seasons, uh, season four was. Yeah, like you're not um, the only one, certainly. Like uh, looking at the problems, people really don't like four and five as seasons. And they don't like seven and eight for, the again, the original AMC, yeah. Walk, the Walking Dead show. Like they just don't like it. But... Scott Gimble has been in charge, well, at least he was showrunner, from four to eight. And so, four has arguably one of the best episodes of The Walking Dead. The, yeah. the, the, the season four midseason finale is fantastic. Yeah, he's not all bad. So I'll, I, I'll, think was... I'll, I will give this man credit where the credit is due. Sure. And hopefully with The Walking Dead World Beyond. Ah, nice. Uh, he'll do a good job. The kids. The Fear of the Walking Dead with kids. Fear the Walking Dead said. with kids. I think the that's a better beyond. show name. I'll be honest with you. I think that's a better show name, and I, th- I think they should have <laughs> done that. But anyways. Or The Walking Dead Fear the Kids. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. The third correction was also something that I tried to reference, but I didn't actually go the full nine yards. I mentioned that there was certain actors or actresses that won an award for best actor while only having a, a small amount of screen time. The actor that I was specifically trying to reference was Anthony Hopkins, who won for oh. Silence of the Lambs, and is obviously is that's an incredible role, the most creepy performance. It's so great, obviously. I would say it's the the, the second creepiest Hannibal performance after Mads Mikkelsen's rendition in the Hannibal TV show. I don't have as much perspective on that show, but it's fantastic. I, I mean, I Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor. Yeah, did well, Mads Mikkelsen win an Emmy? Michel- you just see you just said Mikkelsen. I just followed your lead. There's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be another correction next week. Regardless, yeah, Anthony Hopkins won for Sounds of the Lamps. He was only on screen for 16 minutes. 16 minutes, and he won Best Actor, not Supporting Actor. Best Actor. Oh my goodness Believe gracious it me! It's pretty cool. Good for him. Yeah, I'm proud of Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a, a letter telling him that I appreciate his work in The Sounds of the Lambs and. Westworld. In Westworld, he's fantastic. He's amazing. I, I would. Wow. Uh, I love him. That was yeah. I wish you would return, in in some kind of Westworld iteration. They should do uh, Westworld, but it's kids. run by kids. Yeah. Yeah. Fear <laughs> the kids. Alrighty, Adrian. What have you been watching this week? Anything uh, fun? Anything great? So, do you remember last week? When I mentioned I would take the time to watch Avatar. Yeah, I do I remember that. I haven't watched it since the, the theater experience in 2008 or nine or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Did you, did you do it? Yeah, guess what? I did. I did too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, what I a know. twist. What a surprise. Honestly, I never would have guessed that in a million years. Of course, because we don't talk outside the podcast. We never so do. So how, how would we know? I don't even know your name, man. And you've already told me it for five episodes. I still don't remember it. Yeah, that seems unlikely. How is Avatar? I uh, still don't like it. <laughs> I'll you be honest. You still don't like it. I still don't like it. Interesting. I think 
in terms of its visual style, I think it still holds up surprisingly. I think it looks really great. I watched it on a, my OLED, and it looks fantastic. Don't yeah, get me wrong. So how, do you, how did you watch it? Did you I rent watched, it? Did you watch it on streaming, uh, streaming I service? I watched it on Disney+. Plus. Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So I did as well, of course. Did you notice the resolution that it came out in? I assumed it was 4K. It was not. It was, it was in not? HD. HD. It's just in full HD, which I found surprising. Oh. I'm not sure. It looked really good still. I'd have to look up to see if there's, there's some kind of version that's in 4K. It surprised me that they hadn't remastered in 4K. Mm. Everything defaulted. It's on my Apple TV 4K, so it should have defaulted to 4K if it was available. It did look good to me as well, but also the processing, and you have a Sony OLED. Uh, the processing in that does a lot of great upscaling. So yeah. It takes a 1080p image. It makes it look a lot crisper. It looked amazing. It did look good. It was surprising. I, I agree with you. The graphics were quite good. Uh, it's for, better than a lot of things that come out even today. Some things, yeah. Yeah. It's still... Not everything. There's still some moments where it's jarring. And I think you might have picked up on them. But there's that first uh, spot where Worthington's character... What's his name? Jake. Yes. Jake Sully. He's Jake running Sully. from the giant beast. It's kind of like a, a panther. Mm. There's a moment there where it runs too quickly and it almost reminded me of Spider-Man 1 when he's crawling up the wall. Uh, there was a moment like that, but there's only a couple and it's 2009. So it's yeah. pretty remarkable how it stands up from having been the age that it is. But yeah, what, what else? What, what else? No, like, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think there were a couple moments where it looked almost like PS4, like high quality PS4 graphics sort of thing. It is kind of like that um, the like whole scene. way in a way though, isn't it? Yeah, it's clearly I, I, not. I don't know. It's not, I think some of it. It's not unreal, but it's just it's very much an animated movie. Yeah, it's just another version of the animated Pocahontas. I mean, uh, Ferngully. Yeah, Ferngully. Ferngully. Um, but yeah, like I thought it again. It, I think it looks pretty fantastic. It's it's a- absolutely amazing that something yeah made over a decade ago still looks this fantastic. I got to give credit where credit's due. The sound was good as well. Yeah, James yeah. Horner's score was really good. It does sound great, and the score is great, but man, what a long, boring movie. It is long. It's too long. It's a, it's like nearly hours three hours. 40, 40 minutes. And it's just like, dude, literally Disney told the story in quite literally half the time two decades ago. You know what I mean? In Pocahontas. There's a comparison online. I don't know if you looked it up, but there's a comparison of the script, or, or synopsis, I should say, for Pocahontas, and they just scratched out various details, like the names of people. Like, so Jake Sully was John Smith, as an example. Mm-hmm. So they just threw the, the names in, and it, it's funny how well it lines up. Except for maybe the end of the movie, because I think they added a big chunk. They did. The movie should have ended at uh, about an hour and, like, 50 in, because that's when, like, things start to, I guess, the shit hits the fan. There's so much of this, like, oh, I'm going to go back into this Avatar body, even though I was just removed from this Avatar body, but I'm going to go to this other station that everyone... It, it's not good. It's not a good movie. Like, okay, sorry. Let me take a step back. It is a good movie in terms of its... Oh, you, like, you did like it a little no, bit. No, no. Like, in terms of its aesthetics and its audio, it is a good movie. But the story is just bland and boring. It's way too long. Michelle Rodriguez is in it, and I don't think I've ever liked any character Michelle Rodriguez has played. No offense to her. What? Why? Because she plays the exact same character in every movie. Exact same. From Resident Evil, like the first Resident Evil movie, to Fast and Furious, to this. I liked her in Lost and Lucia. You liked her in Lost. Yeah, she was cool. Nobody liked Anna Lucia. Nobody. Except for you, apparently. I didn't mind any character in that show. Ah, it was a good show. I don't like Anna Lucia. Well, not, like, well, no. Like, Don't get me wrong. I think she, did a, she does a good job portraying these people. 
but I always hate her character every single time. I'm not saying. This Why did you hate her in this? What did she do wrong? She's just annoying. Like, ah, oh, I'm a badass, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, shut the fuck up. Like, be something different. Again, this is nothing to say against Michelle Rodriguez. I genuinely think she nails the part every single time. But it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm sick of seeing her play the exact same character in every single movie she is in. When I see her, I'm like, all right, she's going to be this, oh, like... I'm really cool. She's barely in this movie. I know, and every time I saw her, I was like, ugh. Just shut up. She's she's an unlikable character. However, the my least favorite thing about her in this movie is she chews gum so obnoxiously. <laughs> so obnoxiously. I just want to... Now that's a criticism. I just want to grab it out of her mouth and put it into mine Three just out of to ten. show her how to chew Michelle gum Rodriguez properly. Michelle Rodriguez chews gum too loud. It's just so obnoxious. Like... Again, nom, 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 nom. I'm sorry about any of you listening to this and me making that sound, but God damn it, did it frustrate me. So the, your two criticisms are the so movie far. is just too long and Michelle Rodriguez chews gum far too loud. <laughs> also, I think Jake is a, an annoying character. I don't like oh Jake. I do not like his character at all. I think the whole... It's just so predictable. Speaking like, of Jake, it's just a little bit like Sam Worthington. Like, where has he been? Is he not in anything anymore? He is in stuff, but I feel like he's not in as many things as I thought he would be, having been a star. Like, Zoe Saldana has been in a ton of things. Yeah. She blew up after that movie. Yeah. And she's fantastic in this, even though you never even see her face. Well, you do. Well, it's mo-capped. Yeah. motion captured. Yeah. But you know what I mean, man. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You don't see her directly. Um, She's willing to do those roles often, which is impressive. Like, some actors don't want to do things like that. There's a rumor that Tom Cruise was in the running to play Iron Man, but because he had to wear the, the mask, he wouldn't do it. So they couldn't see his symmetrical face? Yeah, it's, it's his very symmetrical. His perfectly face. symmetrical face? Correct. I don't blame him. But anyways, so that, that kind of annoyed me. I didn't like Jake. The movie itself just reminded me of a less cool and interesting Halo to a certain extent. Halo? That's yeah. a comparison. Yeah, it's not the same by any stretch. I see, maybe the technology that they're using. Yeah, but like, I don't know, I just... So Halo, of course, is the popular Microsoft Xbox series on the Xbox video game series. Yeah. Just for context. So, I don't know. It's fine. Like, <laughs> I don't That's know. That's it. I, you're, you're... I'm just ripping on it. Again, like, it's not a bad movie. The animation still holds up. The world is great and well-built, and it's a cool idea. I just don't think the execution is all that great. And, I, again, I don't like many of the characters in it. I really like Ripley. Uh <laughs> Sigourney Weaver? <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's character. I think she's cool and actually interesting and three-dimensional. And again, I like the, what are they called, Asari? What, what, you know the names of the, I think they're the Asari. Unless the Asari are a different alien breed. Uh, Natari? Natari. The Navi. The Navi. What I, are we talking about? I don't know, man. <laughs> I really like. What the hell is Natari? It's, a, it's not <laughs> a Natari. something I made up? Yeah, it's not an Atari. Okay. It's, yeah, it's not. Um, I, I like the We non- just both watched this. We should probably know the, the terms. Although well, that's was, the whole point. It's pretty forgettable. I, I genuinely did fall asleep partway through it, and then I finished the rest of it. I like woke up and then rewinded it and then finished it. It, it is a long movie. Yeah, I, long. I just think that it is too long. Okay, so my issue with this movie, so I also only watched it last in 2009. My good, biggest thing about the movie overall is that I think it was created as an experience. So when Martin Scorsese says it's a theme park film, this is, to me, the definition of what that is. 
I think Marvel movies have way more of a plot than this movie does because this is the plot of Pocahontas almost beat for beat. And they went for the graphical fidelity, I think, on a far greater scale as an experience versus focusing on the plot. My examples of this are there's moments in the plot that don't make any sense. For instance, in the very beginning of the movie when he initially gets put into the new Avatar body, he breaks the entire lab. And I can't understand a militarized place in space. They wouldn't just say, no, you're not going out there now because you just didn't listen to anything we just told you. Do you remember that? He yeah, gets up, no, that's a good he point. He almost breaks the entire thing. Uh, my girlfriend and I were just sitting there and we're like, why is he able to just do this? Just shut him down. That just was fucking a, kill him. That was a shoot him in the in, prank in, him, and he's done now. He's not going out there. And they get mad at things so easily. They throw them in the brake so easily for things that arguably he kind of didn't cross the line as much as even just that to me. Like that was a weird one. He completely breaks the place apart. He's insubordinate for sure. It's strange. And they never discipline him, by the way, at all. There's no discipline. He's never even... like. Yeah, you're right. He just meets up with Sigourney yeah, Weaver's you character. Yeah, you forget it and because then... you're like, oh, wow, this is so weird. Yeah, because they're, they're like, so get tall. back here. Get back here, you son of a gun. And then... They're and so then blue and they're so like, tall. Yeah. They're There's, too blue. I don't know about that, but... No, honestly. That's the issue for me. They look like me. they were suffocating for days. There's other moments like this as well that just don't make sense. And it's just, they're plot holes, arguably. Yeah. So one point as well, right after that scene, they go out on a mission. And the scientist, Sigourney Weaver's character and the other gentleman, I lost his name. But they go out and they're wearing the Avatar suits as well. They're millions of dollars of product, essentially. They tell you multiple times how much these things cost to build. And they go out there alone, only the three of them. They tell the army men from the helicopter to stay at the helicopter we don't need you we only need one guy with a gun a guy with a gun who hasn't walked in how many years because he's crippled i've never seen anyone in a wheelchair ever use a gun no he was in the army i know i was was kidding (laughs) okay (laughs) obviously (laughs) but anyway sorry i'm getting wrapped up in this i'm getting wrapped up adrian so that was my point is that that moment they're just on their own and the scientists can't use a gun at all so they're not going to defend themselves so all of this, who knows how much these things cost? Billions of dollars, millions of dollars, we don't know. But At least $7. Alone, and this, we find out very quickly that that forest is extremely dangerous. There's two creatures that are like, will kill you. Well, they lead with that, with the with the comic book style villain guy. He has a scratch on his face, and yeah, before they even go out, call. he's like, my first day out there, I got a scratch on my face. They could have removed it, but yeah, he I wanted died, it to remember. what he described it as. And it's just like, Good you call. already... You, what do you mean? Like, you guys are just letting these these people just out there for yeah. no reason? It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. And it even doesn't. There's also a moment where, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I was paying attention to even, like, the small details to some extent because I knew we were going to talk about it on the podcast. And so there's a moment where Sigourney Weaver's character says to the other character, they're both scientists, of course. They're part of that scientist's team. Jake Sully was brother to the other scientist that died. I'm guessing because they were going out, on these missions. Anyways, I digress. They're st- sitting there and they're taking samples of a tree or some plant. And Sigourney Weaver literally says, you just contaminated the sample. And the other scientist says, oh, I did? And I instantly said, who are they just sending anyone to space? Yeah. Just a- What's going on here? We're sending NASA astronauts to space. Are we just sending any Joe Blow to space? Actually, that's p- part of the plot of Space Force, which is kind of ridiculous. I don't oh. know if you watched that. Not There's yet, There's a moment no. where they send these people who are just completely unqualified to space because they can't. The guy who they're trying to hire 
tries to ask for more money and they just don't have the budget for it. So regardless, that's, again, I digress. But the point was they don't, this guy's clearly not an expert if he's contaminating a sample and he doesn't even notice. He's also a very unlikable character too. Right, but he was like supposed to be this goofball scientist and he was angry at one point, then happy at one point. And initially he was kind of the comic relief it looked like in the very beginning. And then he contaminated the sample and then he was really mad at Jake Sully because he was jealous. It was just a strange mix of, of things. I just think that a lot of these characters were just designed to serve the plot of let's show how cool our technology is for this computer graphics. And the rest is Pocahontas in space. And that's my criticism of this movie. Is it a bad movie? No, there are elements that are great. Again, the graphics are great. It is visually quite nice. There are moments where it's quite neat. In fact, I really like the idea of the hair link to the creatures to be able to control them i think that's really cool i almost think this would work better as a video game dude oh my gosh as soon as you said that i literally wrote this down in my notes i was like the movie feels like it's a cgi uh, trailer for a new game coming to the uh, ps5 like it's made by gorilla yeah horizon horizon zero dawn the very popular playstation that's actually a note i wrote down i'm so glad we're on the same page for that look at us yeah maybe maybe we've looked our hair together look at us yeah who would, Who would have, thought? have thought? Maybe we linked our hair together. The weird part about that, though, the whole, like, linking thing, I think it's a cool premise, but they bang the same way as they link with their horses and animals. Are they... Like, I didn't are, notice that. Is that something that happened during Yeah, the, they, they connect their hair the together. alien sex scene? Yeah. You know what I thought of when I saw the alien sex scene? It instantly was Shape of Water. Oh, yeah. It's what a great so, movie, Shape of so Water It's so weird, is. but that movie's original. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's a little bit uncomfortable at certain points, but it, I like, it's pretty great. I love great. that movie, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like the idea that like they bang the horses and those weird dragon creatures. Not actually. Like they create a bond. I don't think they have like genitalia as far as I'm aware. Because th- there's the scene where like Jake Sully and Navi Zoe Saldana are uh, like making out and they connect their hair together to like create a bond or whatever. And they don't progress any further. So my assumption is that's how they mate. Oh. So are they... Yeah, maybe. Are they just banging these horse-like creatures and oh, that's the dragon weird. stuff? You know, that, that's that's one thing I took from it. Again, it's... It, <laughs> okay. That's one thing. Another piss-off of mine in this movie, I know this is kind of nitpicky, but they keep on calling those animals horses. They're like, oh, these horses. Like, Did they actually call them horses? Yeah, they, they like mention it's like a horse-type creature. Like, oh, like they're, they're horses. Well, they're saying right? it in English. There's like a whole language built. But then... Name it something cool. Name it something else. Like yeah, you, maybe you've gone this far to create a really awesome design. Almost reminds me of like chocobos from like Final Fantasy as an example. Right. And then you proceed to just call them horses. I'm like, come on, think of something cool. Call them. Uh, I can't think of anything right now. But if they're mounts, but they're also in another galaxy potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you call them horses? It's it's just an odd choice. Anyways. I was wondering if that's just it like leaked over from English because they were teaching them English. So there's a concept that they they made it. I don't know. Consciously, they chose the two races. Decided that they're so similar to horses, even though they're not really that similar to horses because there's a hair link thing. Yeah. That's unusual. I don't know. I'm curious to see what they do with the next four movies because this is i mean Pocahontas, do you want to so. watch those movies though like genuine question does it interest you will you i want to see theaters? where they go they're so hyped up it's just so strange you realize this movie was also nominated for best picture it was oh yeah I gladly i'm so happy that it lost to hurt locker but never watched hurt locker i still want to watch it it's really good yeah imagine this one over hurt locker that's like a that's like a Black Panther one. No, it's not even close. I think Black Panther's a better movie. Black Panther's more original. And yeah. it's following the Marvel formula of 
Iron Man and Doctor Strange and, and the ones that have come before it. But it, it takes moments where it does something different. And I don't find that this movie did that much different except for the CG element and the fact that it's in space and the natives are, are blue and not human. Yeah. Anyway. I'm glad we're on the same page with this. It's kind of yeah. nice. It's kind of nice to know, like, I don't know, maybe there was a bias going in, but I went in, like, really wanting to like it, and then I came out and been, I did, oh, too, but even when I came out so of the IMAX boring. theater when I saw it in 2009, I was confused because I didn't understand why people liked it that much, and I don't yeah, really, I, like, I really like movies that people like, except for Batman versus Superman, which people really hate and I really like. I love I that usually, movie. if somebody likes a movie or a, gr- a large group of people or most of the world like a movie i'm not gonna say no i don't like it it depends on the movie but i don't know this is an odd one to me yeah cool anything else you watched um so actually this is gonna be a relatively quick one because i don't think you've watched it there's not much to say but i watched the movie guns akimbo oh okay starring daniel radcliffe i haven't seen it no samara weaver uh, weaving weaver weaving samara weaving it's samara weaving last answer final answer locking it in nice Um, tribute to regis I like it. Thanks, man. Thanks. Anyways, I watched it. It's not a good movie. (laughs) Let me just say that. It's incredibly self-aware, which I appreciate. It's a ridiculous premise. There's this weird, like, online, like, streaming service sort of thing that people watch. They get two people to try to kill each other, and, you know, people watch it, and it's just not good. The, The benefit of the movie, the only reason why I think it's relatively watchable is because it knows what it is and it's very self-aware but it's edgy for edgy sake i don't know like one of the characters continuously says retarded for the sake of being like this edgy character you know and again it's ridiculous what's it's a, a guns akimbo like what's a what's an akimbo it's when you hold when you're dual wielding weapons oh is that like a term that i just didn't know yeah it's in call of duty and stuff oh so uh the premise of the movie is you know daniel radcliffe he He's like a troll online, and then he gets like beat up by these people that run this network that, uh, again, like live stream people trying to kill each other. And then he gets uh, two pistols stapled to his hand. And again, it's it's a fun premise. It's cool, but the execution is just so so cringy, and I can't hammer that home enough. Is it doesn't matter how self aware you are, but when the dialogue is that cringy, it is ridiculous. It's not good. It's a fun watch. Don't get me wrong. I was like, ah, I'm having fun. But there was too many times where it just died like it was happening. And I was like, why? Why? If I was maybe 12 years old, no offense to anyone that enjoys this, that it is above the age of 12. But I feel like I would have liked this in my teens, like my late, like my early teens. Because I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is people killing each other. And, and you know, they're doing quirky dialogue. But it's dumb. It is dumb. And although you're self-aware and you understand you're dumb, it doesn't make you any less dumb. You're still you're still dumb. That's fair. You know what I mean? Sure. That's really all I have to say about it. It's this edgy flick. So disappointing. It is not something I would ever watch again, nor would I ever it. recommend it to anyone. Gotcha. Again, I love Samara Weaving. I think she's fantastic, and I like that she keeps on signing up for these random, ridiculous roles. Like Ready or Not is a fantastic I movie. love Ready or Not, and it's yeah, a ridiculous it really premise. Good. And there's, uh, I can't think of the name right now off the top of my head, but it's the movie where she's in with Steven Yeun, where it's essentially they like have like a drug uh, or like some sort of weird poison gas spread out throughout their workplace and they lock up the workplace and everyone tries to kill each other. Again, she, she keeps on taking these roles with such ridiculous premises and she embodies the character she plays 
fantastically and knocks it out of the park. But again, the writing in this one is just so bad and so cringy. I just could not get over it, and I can't recommend it. Daniel Radcliffe is fantastic in it again. They, I think they try to do what, like they try to act like, oh, this is how someone would react if this is their personality sort of thing. But it, I don't know. I don't think it nails it. I appreciate its self-awareness and all of that sort of stuff, but I I would not recommend this to anyone. I think anyone. the Steven Yeun movie is Mayhem. Mayhem, yes, yes, yes. I didn't really realize great. Samara Re- Weaving is in Three Bullbirds Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, isn't she the daughter? Yeah, I, I just forgot that. Yeah. Which yeah. is also an incredible movie. Yeah, that's one of my fir- that was my favorite movie of that year. Was that 2017? Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. 2017. Yeah, uh, that was my favorite movie of that year. Cool, man. But anyways. That's, yeah. I guess that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, it's not good. I also watched more Quibi. And so I watched Most Dangerous Game a little bit. I didn't get through the full thing. I'm really liking it so far. It's great. I think it's really good. I like Christoph Waltz. And Liam Hemsworth is very good in it so far as well. It's a cool premise. Uh, I, I got premise. to the moment just when he's starting the game. Oh, so, so like episode four, right? The end of yeah. episode three. You finish episode three? Again, I can't fault quibi i just think that it's quite good the name is terrible the price is bad but i think that again it's got some good com- content and i like the style of it the concept of it it's kind of annoying to have ads in between each episode i'm, I'm getting as i watch more episodes but if it's you know cheaper because there's ads then I, i'll accept it I just how long think is that, the advertise like each advertisement oh it's short what 10 seconds you, you, you remember no i did i did the full like i did the non-advertisement Op, trial option oh i see did you buy the second month or no no oh you chose not to do it yet i'm going to i think i'm going to because i wanted to watch die hard and i watched die hard all the oh. way through so i watched die hard all the way through good i enjoyed it quite a bit yeah i thought kevin hart was really funny in it uh, i think most notably john travolta was hilarious and it's it's extremely meta it's, it's a very meta kind of concept because it's based in reality am i correct like kevin, yeah, hart, kevin hart is kevin, kevin hart, hart hence the name die hart i guess it's pretty good i enjoyed it quite a bit it's really funny and again that the concept is kevin hart is trying to be an action hero as opposed to the action sidekick as he always is and they reference dwayne the rock johnson and how he's the comic sidekick every time with in a lot of rocks movies and then he go, has to go to a school for action training that's run by John Travolta. But John Travolta does not play himself. Am I correct about that? He does not. Okay, he, he plays not. a character. Okay, I just want to be clear. Basically, to be cast in this action movie, Kevin Hart has to go to this action school run by John Travolta's character, Ron Wilcox, in order to be trained as the action leading man to this movie that he's about to be cast in. And that's kind of the premise, and it goes from there. It's pretty interesting. I, I, I like it quite a bit. I, again, I recommend it. Quibi's cool. I think Quibi is neat. And the one thing we mentioned the last time, and I've been doing this more and more, because, again, I eat while I watch shows a lot of the time, is the idea of airplaying something or casting it to a television. I would like it that they had some kind of autoplay and maybe just add Quibi as a service that's just built into an Apple TV. Or, or add it to yeah, like Android TV, Android Fire TV, TV Roku, etc. Roku. Just it would make it easier. I know that it, it's built for on the go, but we're stuck inside still, and who knows how long we'll be stuck inside. Just make the change, add that in, lower the price, and please, then people will start buying it. Please, That's gosh. What I think. Yeah, Die Hard 
Definitely recommend. I'm looking forward to the Fugitive series with Kiefer Sutherland. Ah, uh, dude, yeah, me too. Me too, actually. That's, I think, I'm going to renew it at that point. I'm going to do, I'm going to give Quibi a full $10 because you know what? Although I don't think it's worth it. And you know what? This is just too much because it's Disney 10 Plus. Bucks. Disney Plus is the craziest value and it's nowhere close. So good. It's got so much more content. It doesn't make sense. Just lower your price. Anyways, are we on to the news then? I think so. I think so. Sounds good. Number one. As reported by a website IGN, director Zack Snyder has claimed that Joss Whedon's 2017 theatrical cut of Justice League is separate from the DC Extended Universe timeline and therefore not canon. Justice League was initially being directed by Snyder prior to the director having to step away for a family emergency. Joss Whedon was then hired by Warner Brothers to finish the film while also overseeing extensive reshoots. Since that time, many fans and critics alike view Justice League as a conflicted movie, having been created by two differing styles of direction. Zack Snyder has recently referred to it as Frankenstein's monster. Snyder is currently working on his Snyder Cut release of Justice League for HBO Max, and was recently interviewed at the Comic-Con at Home Justice Con panel about the movie. When asked whether he would use any footage from Joss Whedon's reshoots, he said, quote, I would destroy the movie. I would set it on fire before I use a single frame that I did not photograph. That is a fucking hard fact, unquote. Oh my goodness. For one, I think that is the first time I ever heard you say the word fuck. And two... It's literally on tape in episode one or two or three. Uh, I also use a quote. I say it in a quote at that point as well. I don't think there's any evidence. Anyways, I'm really on Apple Podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) But go on. What do you think about this whole situation? This is awesome. I'm really glad that Zack Snyder's going like full ham on that. And good. I don't think the Justice League movie deserves to be canon in the DCU extended universe. In the DC extended universe. DC extended universe. Thank you. Thank you. DCEU. The DCEU. The DCU. Yeah. Anyways, I'm really glad about that because that movie. I know we've, we've we've said this a bunch. That movie's not good. It's not no. a good movie. It's, it's a, just so average. It's just not terrible. It's not even average, man. It's, it's just not, not. It's bad. It's a bad movie. They didn't do a good job. No, it's it's disappointing. But I agree with that. Conflicted. I put that in there because I also believe that. I guess. Mm-hmm. But it it's a, such a conflict. It's a tale of two directors, and it's problematic for that reason. Justice Con that panel was quite neat. Actually, they revealed quite a bit, and they're gonna reveal even more at the DC Fandom in August. So near the end of August, we'll get a lot more information about the new Justice League Snyder Cut, which I'm really excited for. I really hope that we get it easily in Canada and we don't have to fight to get the movie. That would be very annoying because, again, we don't have HBO Max in Canada, whereas that's very popular in the United States. So hopefully we have a way to watch it on Crave or some other way. But yeah, those are fighting words in some capacity. He was talking throughout that whole interview about how the color palette is terrible. He saw the poster and he was so disappointed. Warner Brothers, in this case, they fought to get it to be a funnier movie, to make it more comical and more like, honestly, Marvel. That was what their goal was, I think, in hiring Joss Whedon, because he had just come off, really, Age of Ultron and the original Avengers movie. And he was obviously proven to work with these big-time actors to create an ensemble cast, that, or not create one, but use an ensemble cast to create a really great story. But... That's not the movie or the universe that Joss Whedon had previously... Sorry, Joss Zack Snyder. uh, Zack Snyder had previously made it all. So it doesn't make any sense. You have Dawn of Justice, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, which was critically panned. Although uh, an amazing movie. to us. 
we don't understand. I, I, I get it, but I don't understand it. Like my theory I'll never about understand. It, my theory about it is that all of these superhero movies came out. They're all following the same formula of the Marvel Cinematic Universe formula over and over again. And people are used to that. They want the funny movie. They they want this the certain beats that Marvel lands, which aren't bad. And I we like Marvel movies as well, of course. We, yeah, we I love, talked about uh, that yeah. on previous podcasts. We don't have anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, but this is a different style. And the way Zack Snyder films Batman vs Superman or Man of Steel, I actually very much appreciate just as much as I appreciate a Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah. It's very comic booky. He does very interesting shots throughout where he shows almost like they're almost panels in a comic book in the way that he does a lot of what he does, just like he does 300 in a way. He uses a lot of slow-mo. He's known for that too. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily always good, but I think the Batman vs Superman is fantastic. And it's one of the better superhero movies, even though it's 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nobody believes this. Ridiculous. And I really do Ridiculous. believe that the reason for this is because Ridiculous. people are used to that style, that format. Iron Man, Doctor Strange, we talked about this earlier, Black Panther. They're honestly very similar movies. They follow the same beat. They fight themselves. They initially get knocked down. They come back in a big way throughout the movie. Again, fight themselves, meaning they're fighting a very similar concept of who they were. As the origin story just keeps following that same idea. Winter Soldier breaks the pattern. Thor Ragnarok breaks the pattern. Thor, Even Spider-Man Homecoming. It does break the pattern. Yeah. That's why those are the best movies in the MCU, though. Mm. Iron Man 1 was very good because it started that concept. But then creating it over and over again where it does the same thing is silly. In my mind, I think that you can do something more unique afterwards. Like Black Widow is going to be not an origin story, actually. So that will be one that also probably breaks the pattern. Theoretically. Yeah, we have a Taskmaster as the villain, which is kind of a cool idea because it's not. I mean, technically, she'll be facing someone that does the same things as she does, but they'll also be doing everything that Captain America does and 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 Iron Man. Anyone does. he stu- he studied. Yeah, depending on how they actually handle the character, but yeah, I imagine it's going to be good. Oh, I think that the MCU, like Kevin Feige, has such a great track record, and I imagine that it's going to be good. Another thing they mentioned, and they actually show a clip, and you might have seen this online, Adrian and audience members, of Superman landing and going to talk to Alfred. I'm sure you saw that. Yeah, the black suit Superman. Yeah, so black suit Superman. That wasn't a black suit that Henry Cavill was wearing, and they shot two different shots. They actually did a color edit on that in post. The reason they were able to do that, Zack Snyder actually approached Warner Brothers initially, or Warner Brothers approached him when he tried to get the black suit Superman off the ground. And they initially said, we don't want black suit Superman. It's too dark. I don't don't understand why this would... (laughs) This is silly. But again, they wanted it to be funny. So they wanted it to be funnier. And I think they were trying to go the way of the success of MCU. And so they told him that he couldn't do this. So he created a Superman suit, the same color, blue and red. But it had a, a caveat where they actually built it with an easier way to... Not green screen, but you know, if they wanted to recolor grade it in post, they could do so in, on a later date. So if he was going to create his own cut later on, he could do that and then change the color of the suit. So they recreated the suit just as a, you know, just in case I can get my way later on. What a smart man. Worked out, I guess. Good for him. It looks pretty good. I, I can't even notice. When you no, see man. that clip yeah, of I, I again, Superman something. landing and he going to talk to Alfred, that wasn't in the movie, if I recall. There was, was no not. moment where he doesn't. No. Even in the red suit, though, I mean. No, even the red Alfred look. and Superman have never never met. They never movie. met. But we, there was an illusion that the, he had met. There was a moment was, where you, you think that it happened. Because it was almost like it was you in know the trailer. 
Was it in the trailer? It was in the trailer because there's a scene where Alfred looks to the side and and you hear like right. It was it was the trailer. Yeah. I remember that 100. percent And then we never saw that scene of Alfred kind of looking disappointing over. Disappointing, and it's like, what happened there? Yeah. But also, that was starting at the time where Rogue One and all of these other movies were coming out with scenes that just weren't in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Infinity War did this famously with showing the Hulk running uh, in the battlefield in Wakanda. Yep. But he was just not in. The Incredible Hulk is just not in the battlefield in, Wak- uh, in Wakanda at all. He, he's just that's not something that happens. So yeah, it, it's very interesting to see what happens with this. He was very passionately talking about the situation. Zack Snyder was, I'm, I'm saying, with Justice League and his cut. So I'm very curious to see what they, what it ends up being. We're, we're gonna find out, I guess. But I'm very excited for this, and he's saying that it's also gonna be about at least. I think he said it's at least three and a half hours at the minimum. Wonderful. But there's also a question of whether it's also going to be or instead going to be a miniseries. We talked about this last week. That was not revealed at Justice Con, though. That's going to be revealed at DC Fandom. Mm -hmm. So that is going to happen at DC Fandom. And they're going to release a teaser at DC Fandom as well with more footage. And I'm assuming it's just a teaser trailer to build up hype. When he mentions, or when this is mentioned that this is not canon, does that mean they're going to restart this, somehow get Ben Affleck back, get Henry Cavill, and uh, and go from there? That's my question as well. Will this lift off again with the actors that we previously had in the roles? Because again, Henry Cavill, he's not doing Superman according to his contract. Well, yeah, they couldn't even get him for, but uh, they couldn't even get him for Shazam. Right. Yeah. Brief cameo. So what are they going to do? Are they going to go back and try and do this again? That's my question for you and for the audience. Will they go back and will they decide to do this? If this movie is as successful as it's been hyped, uh, Zack Snyder said also on that Justice Con panel, he mentioned that apparently release the Snyder Cut is a Twitter hashtag that actually has garnered more views and more hype than any movie released or unreleased over at Warner Brothers specifically. Which was an issue for Warner Brothers, obviously. And that's why this is being made in the first place. Because they realize there's so much hype behind this. So many people want this that there's really no reason not to do it from a money perspective. So that's kind of the idea. So if this is that popular, from people actually watching it, that's the question. If it gets a lot of viewership on HBO Max, I'm hoping that they restart this series and get it going. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I uh, I would absolutely love that. However, I don't think they will. I don't know. I, I think anything can happen now because we're in a different kind of spot. I never thought the center cut would happen. And they're doing it in a very official way. It's not like they're just saying, here's Justice League with also with both versions. No, they're saying, this is the Snyder cut. And we're letting Zack Snyder put black suits, Snooperman, even though we said as executives, we don't want this. We're allowing this now. And so these types of things, I wonder if that means that if this gets, again, enough viewership, maybe this relaunches the series into something that's fantastic. I know that Batman, the Batman is being made with Matt Reeves. That would just be separate. And I think they could do different timeline things with this and not have to worry about that because they've already ruined it. They've got, they're not very cohesive. They've got oh, a DC yeah. universe on TV and they got a DC universe on movies. And they, they got, have two DC universes on TV because the Teen Titans DC universe is not connected, connected to, to the Arrowverse. Arrowverse. Exactly. And again, the Joker movie is not connected to the Matt Reeves movie, nor is it connected to the DCEU. So I'd be okay with it. I, I would love that. I, I would genuinely love that if we got like a continuation of this DCEU 
and I would still want to see the Matt Reeves Batman movies. It would be really cool if, again, if they worked Flashpoint into it somehow, and I don't know, maybe we have two Bruce Waynes all of a sudden in, in, in the DCEU, and, you know, Bruce Wayne, Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne is like the Nick Fury type. I think we've talked about this prior as well, that there was rumors that they that they were looking to get Ben Affleck as a, yeah, literally like a Nick Fury type. So he's not really Batman, but he's still in all these movies. That was from Michael Keaton. Oh, Jesus Christ. See, see how confusing this is? I don't yeah, there's even... too I, many Batmans There's now. four Batmans. Yeah, it was the... Not that Batman. Batman. Not that Batman. It was Michael Keaton's Batman was going to act as a sort of Nick Fury type character and then he brings the, the world together. What the French The worlds Batman. together because it's multiple universes, I guess. Anyways. So it, there's a lot of hype for it. I'm excited for to see what's launched on the DC fandom uh, at the end, near the end of August. That will be very exciting. I'm looking forward to that for sure. The footage, but also to know if it's going to be a mini series. TV series are just coming out of everywhere and they're so high quality. So again, we're going to talk about that as we go further into the news. Even so far as in the news on number two, as publication, The Hollywood Reporter accounts, Netflix has ordered a six episode prequel series for TV series, The Witcher called Blood Origin. The Witcher is based upon a book series by Polish author Andrzej Sapkowski. That follows the story of the stoic monster hunter known as Geralt of Rivia. Geralt is a magically mutated human known as a witcher, whose sole purpose is to rid the world of dangerous magical creatures. Much like HBO's Game of Thrones, Netflix's The Witcher has taken a more mature approach to high fantasy by attempting to ground it in reality and often using profanity, nudity, and violence as tools to further the narrative. Oh, yeah. Blood Origin is set to investigate the beginnings of the very first Witcher and will take place 1,200 years prior to the events of Netflix's first season of the Henry Cavill-led The Witcher. Writer Declan DeBara has been tapped as showrunner with The Witcher showrunner Lauren Schmidt-Hisrich as executive producer and author Andrzej Zabkowski serving as a creative consultant. Oh my gosh. 1,200 years prior? Yeah, it's a long time. That's before I was even born. I think it all takes place before you were born and uh, potentially in a galaxy far, far away. I'm not sure this is anyways. necessarily the takeaway that I took away from this, but... Yeah. Anyways, what? I hate to correct you, but it's actually Subkovsky. They don't pronounce W's in like Slavic countries. You should know this, considering you're Croatian, partially. All W's are V's. Fair enough. So I think you should edit edit every w you should just edit a v into every time you say subkowski subkowski i'm not doing that but uh, what do you think about this news that's kind of cool man i don't know i i have yet to watch the witcher series nor have i played the witcher games although i know this series is more so based on the books as opposed to the games I don't know. It's cool. It's always nice to world build like this. I'm never against it. Another show that kind of reminds me, or another show that did this in in a way, uh, is the Spartacus TV show that aired on Stars. Is their second season was a prequel, not 1,200 years prior, but it was prior to Spartacus coming uh, into the arena. Now, unfortunately, it was because the actor that was playing Spartacus was diagnosed with cancer at the time, so they did that to kind of bridge the gap and hope that he recovered unfortunately he passed away it was andy whitfield i believe it was unfortunately yeah he he did pass away from cancer and uh they continued to show with without him replaced him but i don't know it kind of reminds me of that uh to a certain extent i really like world building i'm a big fan of anything that really expands on like cool ideas and knowing that this is going to be just a six episode miniseries i at least that's how they're marketing it as. Yeah, and it I seems know, like it's going to be short. Like it's yeah. just going to be short and sweet. 
let's show you the origins of the Witcher kind of race. I guess they're really humans, but mutated. Yeah, it's kind of a neat idea. My love of this series is more so because of the video game. I really think The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is fantastic. And the game sales and the number of people playing the game rocketed after the first season. I'm, I still really want to watch the show, although it's not really critically a great show. Like I think it's like in its 50s or 60s on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's around 60-something. The, the audience score is really high on it. And yeah, it's very... It generated a lot of memes once it launched, if you recall. Yeah, all the fuck memes, like where it's just Geralt just saying fuck randomly. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the extent of what I, I know. I think Cavill did it. a really good job in the series. I think he's definitely the highlight. I mean, he's playing the main character, but it's uh, it, there's something to be desired about the... I, don't, I feel like the plot was kind of disjointed in a way. That was my biggest criticism of it. I hope they just double down and go for something as quality as game of thrones i think that is it multiple timelines in the there are TV multiple show? timelines you might have read that and that's kind of what their main criticism was is that the timelines didn't really work that well it didn't make sense i didn't or find didn't that as much i found that overall i, I don't know what there's something about the production value that it was good but there was something missing compared to what game of thrones has set the bar at so i think that that was my biggest criticism of it so i'm hoping that they can really pull out all the stops with season two and with this prequel series, considering Netflix has now seen how popular season one is. Yeah, like, is it the most popular show on Netflix that they've ever released? I don't believe so. No? I'd have to check that statistic, but I don't think it's the most popular. Like, Stranger Things is a juggernaut, right? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, I honestly, like, if, if I had to bet, I would almost say The Witcher, just because, like, both you and I paid a lot of attention to the video game world, and when this show came out, the, the amount of players playing The Witcher 3 concurrently beat when it initially launched on like PC, as an example, which was crazy because it was like three, four years after the video game came well, it's out. It's one of the best games maybe of all time in terms of like some believe it's the best RPG like role-playing game like ever. Like, yeah. It, dep- it depends on the Western player. maybe. Yeah. Just in general, like people's thoughts. Better than Persona 5. Are you kidding me? I'm just kidding. It's not my idea. It's the... <laughs> no, no, no. The no, no I'm being facetious. The people in the world, they believe this is the case. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I really want to play it, and I think I will. Like, play the game... Sorry, watch the show, and then as a result, I think I'm going to play the game. But I'm going to wait when I have some time to actually play other games. I don't know. I've been pretty just, like, playing the next game after the next game after the next game recently. I think once I get through Ghost of Tsushima, I know this is not a gaming podcast, but once I get through Ghost of Tsushima and I have some like dead air between, honestly, until the PS5 comes out, I'll have a lot of free time. So maybe I'll watch that, start the game and get back to you. It's uh, worth watching. Like, I don't think it's no guns akimbo. I think it's worth the watch. It's only eight episodes, right? So it's not very long. So I think if you don't like it mm. after the first, actually the first episode has an extremely well choreographed fight sequence. And that's actually the, the way you know that if you want to watch the show going forward. Yeah, that's one thing I heard from a lot of people is that that first uh, episode has like one of the greatest like fight scenes in recent memory. Yeah, for swords anyway. Yeah, sword fight scenes. Sword fight scenes. Obviously, yeah, never mind. Cool. Number three, as reported by website Variety, director Christopher Nolan's new movie Tenet will be launching internationally. It, what, sorry, is it Tenet or is it Tenet? Tenet will be launching internationally first prior to release in the United States. Tenet's new international release date is set for August 26th, whereas the domestic U.S. release is tentatively set for Labor Day weekend on September 3rd. Australia, France, Japan, Italy, and our home country of Canada are some of the over 70 countries where Tenet is set to release on August 26th, and yes, it is Tenet. 
Most recently, China approved Tenet for release on the 26th as well. As we've discussed previously on our show, the hype behind Tenet has been thought by many industry analysts to be a powerful catalyst of sorts that might be capable of reviving a very COVID-19 dormant theater industry in the United States and potentially elsewhere. Adrian, what do you think of this? We've been talking about Tenet every week. It's almost like a... I don't know. This, this is the tenet, a dead horse. This is the Tenet and DCEU podcast where every week we talk about something related to those two topics. I don't think we talked about the DCEU last week. Did we not? I don't believe so. Did we not talk about the Ray Fisher thing? Or was that the week prior? Oh, we briefly talked about that. But we talked about every topic. I mean, mm, baby. Anyways, um, I'm very excited. I'm super happy. It, yeah, it feels like a roller coaster in terms of this whole uh, Tenet thing. You know, it, uh, one week we don't think it's coming out, one week we do think it's coming out, one week it gets pushed back, the next week it's not coming out, and now we have a, what I believe is a set-in-stone release date. I don't think they're going to push it back anymore internationally at the very Set-in-stone. You believe it's set-in-stone? I think it's set-in-stone for international releases. You have no idea what COVID will do in, in a month. It's changed so much. It's a completely evolving situation. That's an interesting take. You know what? I'm being optimistic, my friend. I really want this to come out. I really want this to revitalize the movie theater going experience. I know we've talked about how movie theaters in Ontario, Cineplex and Landmark, as an example, weren't really willing to reopen because of the 50-person cap. However, they are working with like the government to... I just received a Cineplex email saying, come join us in our theaters uh, that are opening nearby. So I think they're working it out for sure. Didn't you get one of those? Like, it was a scene, uh, I got it's kind an, of like a scene points type email where they I don't know, tried maybe. to I probably rope me it. in. When I checked it, though, the theaters near us in Guelph, Ontario, are not open. So I'm not sure. I'm going to drive. Maybe I would drive Toronto. with you. Not speak a single word in the vehicle, nor when we get there, nor on the drive back. But I will go with you to a theater. Right, because we don't talk, of course, outside, outside of this, this podcast. podcast. But yeah, it would be exciting to be able to see this. I'm really excited to see this. Even if they launched it, and I'm not going to do this, but if they launched on video on demand, I would have, again, picked it up for $25 for sure. I'm Holy fuck, man. Yeah. Most excited for Tenet over any movie coming out in Tenet, the yeah. near future anyway. Yeah, me too. I agree. I think what has to happen for Cineplex to open properly or Landmark is the masks thing. I just think you need to wear it the whole time. It's such a closed environment in movie theater that I think that it's a necessary step. I know it's annoying, and the, there's a UK theater chain, I think it's called View, that specifically they require you to wear a mask if you're going to sit in one of their theaters. I think this is important. I honestly believe that this is a necessary thing, again, as much as it's annoying. I would be okay with that. and I think that would open up theaters more quickly if they could do that. I think that's not going to happen, though. The no. mask thing, I just think, is such an important piece of this solving the pandemic that I think that that's important. But again, I don't think it's going to happen. I just believe that I'm optimistic that that would happen, that the government would just mandate masks and that would solve this whole issue. But we'll see. No, I agree with you. My only issue is that uh, as far as I'm aware, movie theaters make the majority of their money on concession items. Yeah. So how do you eat popcorn? Through your mask. For sure. You uh, see that random, um, it's, it's, I saw a meme on Instagram. I must have sent it to you. I did see it. The person cuts the jug. Yeah. And their nose fits in within the handle spot. And then they start drinking through a straw through the (laughs) opening cap of the cut in half jug. Exactly. It's ridiculous. But it was really well cut, like really well fit to their face. It was perfect. And they undid the lid whenever they needed to take a sip. 
That's the solution. I think they got to start selling those at the concessions, Cineplex and Landmark Cinemas, yeah. and AMC or wherever else. Yeah, that's the solution here. Yeah, man, I agree. I think I... we should market this to the Shark Tank and oh Dragon's Den. Oh my gosh, yes. We make the big bucks. Man. Yes. Remember when the what's that guy's name from the Shark Tank that uh, Kevin O'Leary? Yeah, Kevin O'Leary when he was gonna run for conservative party and then yeah, that very quickly uh, dropped out. Yeah. Dude, all you are is rich. How do you expect to run a country? Well, he believes he's economically sound. Like, he knows the economics. I mean, look at the United States. That was, that was me really doing have... a slight jab at uh, How are you going to run a country if you only <laughs> only really run a reality TV show? Yeah. Or, or at least host it. I don't know. If, I bet he, doesn't really, he didn't really no. run it at the time either for The Apprentice. I don't know. I don't want to demonize anyone. Like, if you are an American listener and you are a Trump supporter, I do not agree with you in any single way. However... <laughs> any single way politically we well, may believe no the same I, I, thing about like, movies what if they like batman versus superman and i'm okay you? with you i'm okay with you i'm okay with you my, my big thing is i don't know not to get into politics i don't i don't want to go deep dive I'm, I'm okay if you're a republican i'm not okay if you believe trump's a good person and we just went super tooth. political number four <laughs> the 72nd annual emmy award nominations have been officially announced as reported by Variety, Netflix has notably received the most nominations, with 160 total nods. Amazon TV series The Marvelous Miss Maisel received the most nominations in the comedy categories, with a total of 20, while HBO's Succession was tied with Netflix's Ozark for 18 nominations apiece in the drama categories. What? Interestingly, Quibi received 10 Emmy nominations for their original series. Unlike in Go pre- Quibi. Unlike in previous years... The Emmy Awards will not be broadcast from the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles, California, but will instead be a Emmys from home type of event. Jimmy Kimmel is set to host the awards show as it airs from the nominees and presenters' homes from around the world. Adrian, what do you make of these nominations? I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at some of the shows and TV movies and limited series being nominated. But it's uh, it's an interesting list for sure, and we're definitely going to make some predictions. I should yeah. say. Yeah, let's do uh, the Prior. week before. The yeah, week the before week the before Emmys? the Emmys, we'll do uh, some predictions. Predictions live on episode our show. live live on our show because we do everything live, of course. We won't do all the Emmy nominations just because there's so many of them. Uh, also, did you look yeah, the I list? don't care Again, of I, all of them. I, I no. this, but yeah, it's a massive. It's it always like this, but it's a massive list every How year. How many lists? Oh, it's it's crazy. Seven. There's a lot. Fifteen. I'm not going to say a number. I didn't 493. There's cinematography. There's sound editing. There's hairstyling. There's makeup. There's every pretty much category you can think of for what you would build a TV show with. Directing, of course, but directing based on episodes. That's just the way that Emmys are is that there's a, a million different options in different categories because there's comedies, dramas, limited series. And so we're not definitely doing them all, but we'll do the main ones. So best limited series, best drama, best comedy. And some of the best short roles. form series. Yeah, exactly. So we can talk about Quibi some more. Why not? Yeah, for sure. Why not, baby? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's cool. It's cool. It's exciting. I, I like these award shows. It's cool that Jimmy Kimmel is back to host the Emmys. I don't know if he's ever hosted it before, but I really, before, yeah. I really enjoyed him during the Oscars. And I think a big miss on the Oscars for the past few years is that they never had a host. I don't get this. This it's doesn't make any stupid. sense to me. Even the Emmys is doing it and like they're not doing it out of the theater. Yeah. I just feel like a host really streamlines things and makes it seem... Cohesive. Yeah. It's just the glue that holds it all together. I think it's really silly. And the fact that they did it now for two years in a row, they believe it's okay, but I'm not sure why. I wonder if the ratings are just not hit by it. It's just... It seems obtuse. It's just an odd choice, and I 
I don't agree with it. But. It is. I mean, like at the beginning of, I know this is like kind of backtracking, but the, at, the, at the beginning of the last Oscars where Chris Rock and uh, Steve Martin, you know, like kind of started off the show and really like set, set the tone, I think that would have been awesome to have both of them host throughout it. But yeah, just yeah. do the whole thing. What's the point? I don't know. You, you keep on changing a bunch of people throughout it and a lot of it's cringy and not funny. But they always change it anyway. Yeah, I don't know. It's an odd one. Like there's always, the presenters are always different every time for every reward anyway. Yeah, but, but it just seems like there's no glue that's holding it together. There's, it doesn't seem like anyone's. I don't. It's almost. It feels more stressful for me. I don't know yeah. why. I just just bring somebody on who's going to be consistent and charismatic. Yeah, it, it's not like they really shortened it by much either. They were still long. I don't know really what's the point. I don't know the point. I, I don't eh. agree. But again, this Emmys from Home is kind of a neat idea. They're doing this, and they sent all of the nominees like a package saying. Hey, this is going to be different this year. We're going to send you some equipment so you can film this. We're going to do this with high-end technical effects to make sure that it really works. Wear some attire that's not your everyday clothes, not necessarily, depending on where your location is. Uh, if it's 3 a.m. in the U.K., as an example, feel free to be in your bed while we while we film you. We don't care necessarily. We'll just use that concept and we'll we'll make sure that we know where your location is and what you're going to be wearing to use that as part of the show. So it's kind of a neat idea. So there's... They're going to do something different with this than some of the, I guess, the low quality kind of productions of people on Zoom on just their PC or Mac, uh, just any celebrity on like a Comic-Con at home panel type of deal. So it should be interesting. I took a particular notice to the Emmy nominations. I went through them all pretty much. I was curious most of all, and this is an odd one, over the last few years, Better Call Saul hasn't been nominated for cinematography. I went off last week about how great the cinematography was. Mm-hmm. But I call so. No nominations whatsoever. And it hasn't ha- been nominated one time, actually. For cinematography, exclusively. No, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Which okay. is so strange. No, Better Call Saul was nominated for Best Show this year. For yeah, sure. yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say. So it's very strange to me, and I think Marshall Adams, especially with season five, did a fantastic job as we talked last week about. Uh, he's the uh, director of photography. How great could that possibly be? I don't understand. What other show is doing a better job? Ozark was nominated for cinematography for multiple episodes. Yeah. And I don't agree that that's a better show in the way that it's, it's shot. shot. It's a great show. There's the a couple of scenes, though, that like I immediately think of for Ozark. That Again, like I haven't watched season five. Uh, better call it's not bad i'm not saying it's bad but yeah there's there's a few scenes most notably i think it's the second last episode of the show in the in the taxi cab with the one character where the camera just kind of sits on him and it's uh really fantastic again i don't want to spoil anything and i don't know it's really nice to see that great but uh, my point is better call Saul was not nominated one time so not even once ever not in the five years that it aired michael slovis who did most of breaking bad for cinematography he was the director of photography uh, for Breaking Bad was nominated almost every year. Hmm. And I don't think it changed much. So this is the perception that we had. We talked about this last week about how we think that Better Call Saul is maybe a better show than Breaking Bad. I guess this is not perceived that way in other parts of the industry because they're they're not obviously giving them awards uh, for many things, interestingly. I just found that weird. Even El Camino, which is also photographed by Marshall Adams, is not nominated for cinematography in the made for TV movie category or whatever it is. Mm. It's a little different now because everything's Every kind of TV. made for yeah, everything, TV. Yeah, made for TVs at this You've got like the old guard and extraction making millions of dollars just sitting on Netflix or making mi- millions of views sitting on Netflix. And those are those are movies that could have arguably been in theaters. Not that they're better than El Camino, in my opinion. But El Camino was, by the way, nominated for 
best movie alongside Bad Education as, a, as an example oh, on HBO nice. with Hugh Jackman. I never watched Bad Education. I was thinking of Sex Education. Sorry. Sex Education is a TV show. Yeah, Netflix. Yeah, talking about the movie category. Yeah, I know. I just I immediately thought of the Sex Education. I was a, I was being a fool. I'm so sorry. I hope you forgive me. Watchmen was also nominated 26 times, and it's the most nominated show in the 72nd Emmy Awards. Well-deserved Damon Lindelof getting the freaking recognition he deserved when he got zero Emmy nominations for The Leftover Season 3, as an example. Yeah, it's strange. Well, Lost got nominated quite a bit. Yeah, but he didn't get anything for The Leftovers for Season 3 in Left- particular. Left- the Leftovers is just completely flew through the radar completely like it just it didn't snubbed. get anything yeah i don't understand it makes no sense it was it is one of the best shows of all time in my ever opinion, it is very well done the writing is i love it pristine i can't recommend that show enough please but, watch the leftovers but it's please. just again it was completely ignored these award shows aren't always perfect there's funny things that happen there's politics certainly uh, i would argue for sure westworld season three actually notably was absent from best show whereas it was nominated in the past did you watch the full thing of Westworld season three? I know we talked about that. No, I only watched the first episode. Oh, you didn't actually go through the whole thing. No, I, I like I just haven't found the time. Again, I like I've been in a very big like video game sort of mode recently, just playing a bunch of video games because there's been a bunch of new releases. And whenever I eat, I don't want to watch an hour long episode, so I watched Avatar: The Last Airbender, you know, for like the twenty two minute chunk. So I still really want to go back to Westworld. And I plan to finish it. Succession is another example where I watched the entirety of the first season and then I started season two, watched the first episode, and then again, just didn't get back to it. Succession is so good. I know. I know. I loved season one. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Season two is unreal. I just, it's so good. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to start season. I mean, I think I only watched the first episode, but I'm going to, I'm going to watch it all for sure. I would watch the. I'll maybe watch the first episode again. I just find oh, that that yeah. season is very, it, it just runs so well together. As a whole? When you watch the first episode to the last in like maybe a span of a few weeks, it really does play very well, I find. It's like a Subway sandwich. Yeah, it's a good example. Yeah, sure. You want to eat the entire thing at once. Not all at once, but you know, just keep it concise. Cause no, you, you want to eat it if all If I recall when you watched the first episode, it was a while ago. It's like it, Dude, it was forever ago. More than six months. It was prior to COVID. It was pre-COVID. Yeah which is quite literally some lifetimes ago. The other thing was kind of ignored a little bit was Silicon Valley, which is odd. It was the last season of Silicon Valley, and it didn't really get much of a... Did you find that the last season of Silicon Valley wasn't as good as the previous HBO's Silicon Valley season? I would make the argument that the last season improved quite a bit. I think Silicon Valley, it has some really great seasons, and it has some good seasons, and I think the last season's really great. And I think Silicon Valley kind of fell into the trap by like season. What, what's season, what was the last season? Season six, season seven. Do you recall? Six seasons. Yeah, I would make the argument that like season six of Silicon Valley was a an improvement. I almost found that season four and especially season five was every episode was like, oh, here's a crazy problem. Let's fix it. And they fix it by the end of the episode. And then there's a new problem that they're going to have to deal with the next episode. I would make the argument that season six was better than the majority of the seasons of Silicon Valley. So that's kind of shocking. Yeah, it didn't get much. There was a couple things in there, but it really was kind of ignored. Marvelous Miss Maisel got multiple nominations. What am I missing? Am I missing something Have you watched Marvelous Miss Maisel? No, no. I I haven't watched it. That's what I'm asking. It's an Amazon Prime show. And every year it seems to get nominated fairly well. This award show was obviously the notable absence uh especially in the drama categories game of thrones and last year fleabag mm. won for season two 
Fleabag is an interesting show because it doesn't launch every year. In fact, there's like a huge gap between yeah, season one and season two. I think the first season, season was like 2016 and then season two was yeah, 2019. Yeah, So it received a nomination and won uh, for best Fleabag's comedy. Fan, like phenomenal. It's uh, Yeah, it's one of the funniest shows. And uh, yeah, anyways, I don't, don't want to go too deep in it. I yeah, so this year, of course, Fleabag is, is absent in that it, it kind of ate up a lot of the awards. Barry's absence as well. Barry was a big contender last year as well. Not There's no uh, Barry season three as of yet. I don't know what the plan is for Barry season three. Barry being a, a show by Bill Hader with Bill Hader starring in it about a, a man who's trying to become an actor, but his previous profession and still is his profession is being a hitman. So that's a fascinating concept. Definitely worth the watch. 30-minute episodes about, I think it's 10 episodes per season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe so. That show is fantastic. That was chewing up a lot of the nominations last year, for sure. So those are the notable absentees. And then Miss Maisel could just win everything, I guess, because they've got so many nominations in there. So it would be interesting, for sure. I'm curious to see. Ozark got a ton of nominations in the drama category as well. Which is awesome. It's a it's so well deserved. Incredible show for sure. I cannot wait for the fourth and final season of Ozark. I think that I think we talked about it on the first episode of this podcast. It's almost disappointing that there's four seasons for yeah, Ozark. Definitely. But it, I mean if they're if they're finished the story they're telling. I feel like they could have kept it going. But again, I don't know how season four is gonna end and it's it's an extended season as well, which is at least nice. You know considering better. where they left off at the end of season three in the way that they've left it, I feel like there's way more room. Yeah. There's a lot of rope. I think you could do a ton of things. But so they must have, maybe they had a, I don't know if you read this, but maybe a concrete plan going into it, knowing what the ending would look like. And so this is maybe nearing the end in their eyes, not maybe necessarily maybe. to me. I don't know. Again, this is also referring to the fact that Netflix rarely lets shows go longer than four seasons. Most of their TV shows end at season three, the majority of them. So I'm really glad that, you know, Ozark is even getting a fourth season. We talked about this last week with the Dragon Prince and how like the dra- it's incredibly odd that the Dragon Prince was in- renewed for four more seasons until season seven. I just wonder if they it's rarely just viewership drop off, right? We don't necessarily see what Netflix numbers are, so that's I think why that happens. I don't think seasons. it's viewership drop off. I think it's the fact that it's not bringing in any more people. Not that it's not keeping the people that are watching it. It's just not bringing in any new characters. Or, sorry, new characters, new viewers. I don't you know. know what maybe. I mean? Like no one's gonna subscribe to Netflix for season four of Ozark. I think when they view when they see like if like for instance, this is a good example. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad pulled in more and more viewers every season to the to an ex- crazy extent. I just don't think that would happen with a show like Breaking Bad. Like, for instance, Breaking Bad got five seasons. Those are new viewers. But I think that's different because that was network TV. That was was AMC. That's not Netflix, right? But that is Netflix. Sorry, that is AMC, and AMC is about that as well. That's what they're about. Their business model is if we can pull in more viewers, then we're going to continue the show. I'm sure AMC was talking to Vince Gilligan, and Vince Gilligan's like, I'm ending it. This is exactly where I want it to end. And they're like, are you sure? Because we're in like the 12 million viewers now. And I really wish you were not going to end this because we can definitely Please. keep pulling in more people. Yeah. I just don't think that's the case. I think there's a reason for this. And I think it has to do with the fact that, like, Stranger Things, for for example, is going to four. It could go to five in theory. The only reason I think they would stop that show is because those kids are growing up. And so there's a problem with that. And now they can't even film because of COVID. So there's, there's going to be issues with Stranger Things in that capacity because, again, it's a cast of children. 
I don't know. I don't think that's why. If, that, if I were to predict, I don't know if you have any, have any hard data on that specifically that you've seen, but no, I don't know. I, I I predict no. I think that the as a business model, if you were pulling in viewers like you were at like AMC was to Breaking Bad, then I think that you would just continue the shows if they were successful and if the creators wanted to keep making them. Ozark is going to pull in more viewers. That's just like I feel like a fact, just because they've continued to thrive. I don't know. I just keep hearing more and more people who are picking up Ozark. In fact, I think you were mentioning. Yeah, my friend Peter. Yeah, you're right. We haven't seen that many shows go past season four. It's just not very. I can think of two off the top of my head, and it's BoJack Horseman and Dragon Prince. Even though that hasn't aired yet, can't think of anything else. Can you? Not off the top of my head, no. Yeah, it is strange. I agree with you, but I just I believe that it's because of a drop off due to quality potentially and the the nature of the hype train behind it so i'm not i'm not certain why that would be but number five as website deadline reports amc the largest cinema chain in the united states and film distributor universal studios have made an historic deal that would allow universal to place movies on video on demand services only 17 days after the initial theatrical release this is in sharp contrast to the two to three month theatrical window that existed before and is currently still present at other movie theater chains deadline mentions that AMC will see percentages of the profits for the early digital rental releases, but the exact percentages are unknown to the public at this time. Other movie distributors are also reportedly looking to broker similar deals with AMC theaters. In contrast, Cineworld, the second largest theater chain worldwide, has described the deal to be lacking business sense. CEO of Cineworld, Mookie Greidinger, said, quote, People need to be aware that the first big movie from Universal is coming only in six months, so there is no pressure here. But we clearly see this as a wrong move at the wrong time. Clearly, we are not changing our policy with regards to showing only movies that are respecting the theatrical window. Unquote. Why 17 days? Is that like that's the first thing that popped out to me? Because they lowered it from like the three month time but span. But 17 days? What two, a random two, two to three months. Just make it 14 or 21. It's like they brought it down to, you know, three weeks, and then and they're like, you know, just make it two. And then they kept on going back and forth, and I'm like, you know what? We'll make it We'll make it two and a half. 17 days, final offer. And they took it. That's what I feel like happened in that boardroom meeting. Yeah, there was a negotiation. <laughs> just this back and forth, a ridiculous back and forth. I don't know, man. I'm obviously all for it. I think this is a pro-consumer move. And I think it will, you know, allow access to these movies or, or give people the chance to watch these movies that, you know, maybe live in countries that don't have movie theaters or, or live in a place that don't have movie theaters nearby. And on top of that, obviously, some places like the U.S. aren't handling COVID as well. And I'm sure there are people that are scared that don't want to go to these movie theaters. So instead of being left out and not being able to watch these movies that are coming out, they can, you know, wait the two and a half weeks the, and hopefully will pay to watch it at home. Now, again, pirating is not a good thing, and I'm sure people will do it, but I don't know. I think it's a good move. I'm, I'm happy for that. I would mention, like, but clearly we see this as a wrong move at a wrong time from the center world CEO. I think that that's exactly the idea of the COVID thing is, is, is a short-lived concept. If we plan for a future of COVID forever, that's not really, I don't think, why they made this deal. I think there was negotiations about this before COVID as well. But the idea is this is a sh- really short-sighted. Are we really looking at this like COVID-19 is going to last for the rest of our lives? Maybe. Hopefully not. That's not really the idea. It's pro-consumer maybe. I love going to the movie theaters. Me too. I'm not. I'm still going to How go. How many movie theaters might shut down because this plan exists? That's my concern with this kind of thing, uh, right? So then how pro-consumer is that? 
because then I now have to just buy $25 movie tickets at home. That's not cheaper either. I can buy a concession and my ticket for less than that. So it's a little bit of an interesting idea. I don't know what's going to happen with this. It's not necessarily bad because there's also talk about leaving the movies in theaters when they're doing well. I don't think Universal has any intention of taking them out of the movie theater unless they're doing poorly and then they're going to make it a video on demand. But how much do they bend these rules and when do they find that people just buy them more at home and don't actually want to buy them in theaters? And so I wonder about whether, again, this is going to keep the lights on in these theater businesses as my biggest concern. Yeah, actually, that's a good point that I didn't really consider. I agree with you. Honestly, I think you're right. That's, that's definitely not something I was thinking about. I was thinking more pro-consumer in the sense that, you know, maybe these people don't want to go to the theaters because of whatever. But yeah, like I didn't really think about it. Yeah, movie theaters would probably close down because of this. Now, I don't Depending, know. Like it depends. It depends how, how lenient it is. How long does COVID run for? Well, that's the thing, man. Like I don't, I try to be optimistic about many things, but I don't think we're ever going to get back to that pre-COVID normalcy. Even with the vaccine, I think, I think masks are going to be a thing from here on out like i know if i ever get sick in five ten years down the line i am going to put on a mask when i am sick and going about and i will look at people with a glaring eye if i if ever they're see coughing them. and you yeah. don't have they don't and have a mask exactly on. like i i think the world has changed like like this is like coronavirus is 9 11 times 100 and however many countries there are 150 plus countries or whatever like it's a serious thing, and we're never going to get back to that pre-COVID normalcy. So honestly, the whole aspect of, or the, the whole idea that, you know, like, are we expecting COVID to stay around? Probably not. I'm sure once we get a vaccine, things will, you know, start to go back to normal. But it's going to stick. This is going to be like a, like a historical event that we will never forget. And, you know, kids growing up these days will remember this. Like when I was a kid and 9-11 happened, I remember like because I used to fly home to uh, to my grandparents in Serbia. And I remember the airport before 9-11. And then I distinctly remember the airport after 9-11, how much it changed the world. You know what I mean? And how it changed everything. Yeah. Uh, like I remember going across the border to the U.S. when my dad was a truck driver and things like that. And everything changed. And I think coronavirus has changed things so drastically that – Maybe it will, you know, maybe we do need this whole like 17 day after thing. Again, it it will probably close down theaters if people, you know, take advantage of it. Yeah, that's the issue. But I, I know like me, us, like we, we went to the movie theaters prior to that and we're, we're irking to go back to the movie theaters. I think the people that went there consistently and loved going to the movies, I think people are ready to go back. I know, um, it's just, is that enough? Messy... Like families, will families continue to go and stuff like that? I, I don't know. It's interesting. Like Universal is just one distributor. The Disney has come out and kind of hinted at the concept that they're they're going to keep going with the two to three months because keeping it in theaters for family movies is a, is a good, good idea. So there's a benefit that they see from having movies in the theaters. So I don't think they're even negotiating a deal. I mean, that could be different now. I don't know whether that's the case. But that's there's been talk about that concept that Family movies really bring the family together to the movies all at once. Many tickets sold all at once for a movie like Soul, Pixar's yeah. movie coming out in November, apparently. Or really any of the movies, if we actually think about what Disney is actually launching in the near future, they've kind of kept all of their movies in theaters, except for Artemis Fowl, which I think they knew was a stinker. And I think that that's the reason yeah. they didn't wait for that one to be launched in theaters, because they realized how bad well. it was. It was so disappointing how badly reviewed it is. And I actually loved Artemis Fowl as a kid. 
So I'm very disappointed. Like the book series, it's based on a book about a boy genius. I just it was about an owl. I'm not even joking. I genuinely thought it was that book series with owls. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, the owls gahul. Maybe. <laughs> I think that's what it's called. Yeah, I, I assumed it was about that, and I realized I was wrong. It's a neat series. Like again, a boy genius, millionaire. He's got a lot of resources. He's kind of the villain, arguably. He's got a butler who's pretty badass. He's kind of a James Bond type kind of guy. It's just a there's like a fairy. It's like the fairy world and the human world collide, and he tries to. It's almost like a heist movie for the first, or the heist book for the first book. So I was hoping that it was going to be great. I'm not going to watch it. Just, I'm just going to be so disappointed. It seemed like all the right people were in place to make this movie great. Didn't work out. I think Disney saw the movie before and they're like, we can put that one just directly to streaming. We're, we're good. As far as I'm aware with that movie is that they initially filmed it as you know the, ki- the kid being a villain. And then they didn't reshoot any of it. They just re-dubbed like the majority of the movie to make him a anti-hero as opposed to that that's my oh, i didn't hear that he's not completely a villain i guess he is the main protagonist but yeah he's kind of yeah he's not the, he's not the best so yeah it's definitely something that's disappointing i didn't hear that rumor that they redubbed it yeah like they just reshot not necessarily reshot a bunch of the scenes but they, like made scenes well yeah like literally just redubbed it and instead of showing people's mouths like arrested development season five well that sounds that pretty up. terrible yeah that's that's the one thing i I'm heard not so sure yeah they, well, i wonder what extent they did and this. Then they re-edited a bunch of it to make it seem like the kid was always a good kid oh like an anti-hero type, type thing yeah well, that sounds awful i know i'm never gonna watch that movie i'm not and watching that especially since i have no attachment to this owl movie as well there's no owls the, the owl book there's no owls in this artemis owl it's cool like they made it a complete language like the author uh i can't pronounce his first name Owen george Colfer? railroad uh martin Ewan, for, Ewan, maybe it's Ian Colfer? Uh, death rocky right i should have looked that up beforehand but regardless of what are whatever the pronunciation of his of his name is uh Andrzej Sapkowski. Sapkowski. Yeah. Wow. That's so embarrassing. Anyways, Colfer's book, he created his own language. He created his own fairy language based on symbols. And he he wrote them at the top of every page. You could actually translate it if you have like a cipher. You could actually read another like subtext on the top of the, at the top of every page. There's another story going on in the meantime. Let me guess. You were one of those nerds that did that. I did some of them. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I was a I was a young teenager, and I was very interested in this uh, world. I thought he did yeah, a great owls. job building the the universe for Artemis Fowl, and I was disappointed again that Artemis Fowl, that this yeah. was a disaster for for the movie. Mm. But my point was about this: Mulan and Black Widow did not go automatically to streaming. And you mentioned, I think, at one point, you thought that Tenet would go automatically to streaming, and that's obviously not happened. It's Tenet. not going to happen. 10A is, is going to stay as a theatrical release and then go to streaming potentially after that or whatever it is. But it's going to be, again, Christopher Nolan was, I'm sure, very stubborn on this. He definitely doesn't believe in the concept. Of, I don't think he believes in streaming other than on Fortnite. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, hit, um, the hit streaming <laughs> service, Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, he likes the idea of the theatrical experience and all that delivers. He films specifically in film. He sees the value. Mulan, I'm surprised Mulan hasn't even gone to streaming. Are you saying that it hasn't Mugan to streaming services? Mugan? Yeah, Mulan hasn't Mugan. This is a stretch of a joke here, bud. All right. You know what? And, and so even Black I... Widow is another good, good example. They've got streaming Marvel shows like Falcon and the Winter Soldier that aren't going to theaters. It's interesting that they wouldn't just take the risk, say this movie we can make this make a streaming movie. They see the value of the theatrical experience as well. Can I tell you a joke? What? 
What's the joke? How long have you been thinking about this? There isn't one. I'm just asking if I can tell you one. Yeah, you can tell me a joke. Like I'm not gonna tell you right now. I'm just I'm just asking if I can tell you one in the future. Yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, you just told a joke. That was terrible. Mugond, Mugond to it has, theaters. It hasn't Mugond. <laughs> what was that? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was just wondering if I can tell you a joke in the future. Yeah, you can. Please make sure they're good, especially if. We're oh my god! You talk know, about them on the podcast. You know, you know humor is you amateur. Number six, as Variety has reported. Pixar is developing a new animated film to be released in 2021 called Luca. What? Luca will take place in the Italian Riviera and is a coming-of-age story centered around a boy by the name of Luca forging a new friendship. Longtime Pixar creator Enrico Casarosa is directing the film based on deeply personal connections to his own life. Pixar's next film, Soul, is set to launch in theaters on November 20th, 2020. What do you make of this, sir? Um, I have a friend that has a dog named Luca, so that's the first thing I thought of. Um, and you thought instantly, this must be a movie about a dog. Yeah. A cartoon dog. About a husky. A husky. I don't know why I said it like that. A husky. So that's the first thing I thought of. It isn't. It's about a human boy. Where is it taking place? The Italian. Spain? Riviera. Uh, I'm sorry. Is that the extent of your thoughts on this? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm interested. Obviously, I, I really enjoy Pixar movies. I think Pixar has been knocking it out of the park as of late, as they always do. The most recent ones, yeah, being was it Coco? That was the last uh, Pixar movie released. Onward. Oh, Pixar is my dad's a pair of pants. I forgot about that one. I didn't really love that movie. It wasn't bad, but I didn't love it. I did love Coco. Inside Out is one of my favorite movies. Uh, period. Ever. Yeah. Uh, it. I don't think I've ever. Um, experienced so many emotions watching a movie which is ironic because it is a movie movie about about emotions emotions yeah i I cried uh, hard on that one i broke down that was a tough one dude i no i'm not joking i broke down the imaginary elephant man dude dude yeah imaginary elephant it's it's where Um, it's at yeah i uh yeah jesus christ i think (laughs) i think about watching inside out and just god uh anyways fantastic movies and again i love pixar obviously toy story 4 toy story 4 was after Coco. It was. Oh my gosh. You yeah. smart cookie. Look at you knowing timelines. I appreciate that. I really love uh I really love Toy Story 4, although it is my least favorite Toy Story, fun fact. Not to say that it's bad, it's just the least favorite out of a line of amazing movies. Right. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm always down. I'm always gonna watch a Pixar movie and I always wanna watch it in theaters. I'm going to watch it, maybe not day one, but uh, it's definitely always on my list. I'm not going to not watch a Pixar movie. I don't even recall the last Pixar movie I missed watching. Even The Good Dinosaur, which wasn't like critically well-received uh, in comparison to all their other movies, I still watched and I still enjoyed enough. So yeah, man, I'm always down. It's cool. The little poster they released looked really awesome, just very stylized. And yeah, I'm always down. I'm always down to watch something new. Yeah, no, it's exciting. Pixar. I'm excited for like the Jamie Foxx starring Soul. Yeah. I'm just curious to see what direction that goes. I'm kind of curious about that movie. Are they releasing more movies more often? It seems like there's... Because they're releasing one in 2020, and then they're releasing one in 2021. It seems like they're releasing every year. I don't know if that was the case before. I don't know, man. I, I, mean, I no, don't know. That's true, actually, because Coco launched before Toy Story the year before. Maybe it's been... Wasn't it Incredibles 2, actually, year. now that I think about it? Oh, uh, right. Incredibles 2 was after yeah. Coco. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, that's correct. So, actually, yeah, man. It seems like there's a lot. a year. And then before that was, before Coco, I think it was before Coco was Finding Dory. Oh my goodness. Dude, yeah, yeah, there's so many and they're all great. They're all great. Pixar has got the best track record in animation, maybe in movies ever. Yeah. Like it rivals the MCU for sure. Both owned by Disney, I guess. In terms of 
Rotten Tomatoes at least critic reviewed movies. They're just so well reviewed, accepted by the audience typically on both franchises. There's not actually. a bad Pixar movie. No, there isn't. I mean, people may argue that Cars 2 is not the best, but it's not. Oh, yeah, uh, I forgot about Cars 2. <laughs> it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie, though. It's just not great. Yeah, it's average. Imagine if. Um, I'm surprised that they made that. Yeah. Uh, when I saw Cars 1 the trailer, I think it was still. I was fairly young. I didn't. I didn't have any interest in it. I just thought, "What is this? I don't understand why I would want to do that. Why are they talking cars? That seems very. I'm kind of the, over Thomas the Train Engine. I, I don't know. I, tank I like, engine. Tank engine. My my mistake. Man, are you serious, man? Andre Sapkowski. Mater is my favorite fictional character of all time. Is that so? No. Oh my gosh. Who who even likes Mater? I didn't watch the movie. I didn't watch either of them. You haven't watched Cars 1 or 2 or 3? There's a Cars 3? There's a Cars 3. Oh, no. That was actually critically well-received. So Cars 2 is the only one that's not great. Oh, I didn't realize it was a 3. When did they launch 3? I don't know, like three, four years ago. So I didn't watch the Cars trilogy. That's actually another one of my blind spots. I've watched parts. Like, I don't think I've ever just sat down and watched Cars. In high school, one of my girlfriends, her twin sister was a, this is kind of a, this is too much information, but her, one of her favorite movies was Cars and her favorite character was Mater. And I was like, why the hell do you like this? And I- Her favorite movie. Yeah, it was her favorite movie is the original Cars and she loved Mater and constantly watched it. This makes her sound like I was a child (laughs) dating dating children, but no, we were in high school, like- 15 16 years old and yeah huh. i like i i watched it here and there i was i was also 15 16 to clarify just want to make sure that we're on that yeah point. We're, it's all above board uh, it's yes. all above board <laughs> and yeah i remember i would go over to their house and she would like not joking like watch cars like once a week so i've seen like the majority of it but i never gave it a chance because i would always just like jokingly bash her like bash the movie to her and be like oh mater's like such a dumb character blah 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 and she'd just get so offended and uh, defensive. Oh wow! Uh, it's kind of like how I like built a relationship with her her sister, um, like a friendly relationship. I can't want clarify. to clarify, like a friendly relationship. You know, it's just like poking fun. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I never really like took the time to watch it. And then obviously, I'm not going to watch Cars two or Cars three. But I remember watching the trailer for Cars three, and it's like an intense trailer where uh, Lightning McQueen or whatever gets into like a terrible car accident or something, and the wheels are flying. I remember watching me and like Jesus Christ, is like, this a kids movie? Yeah, no, honestly, uh, he just I, lost I, his limbs. I highly suggest just watch the trailer for Cars Three because it seems intense. Like it seems like it is made for adults. I'm not even joking. Uh, and again, it was critically well received. But yeah, I'm always down for a new Pixar movie, except for the Cars. Um, Sounds franchise. almost like the tra- trajectory of Iron Man One, Two, and Three. Iron Maybe. Man One was the best. Iron Man Two was not the best. It was one of the worst MCU movies. Not bad, but it wasn't the best. And then, and then Iron Man three, he basically gets blown up and he loses his suit, and he's, you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know about you, man. I think I like Iron Man two better than Iron Man three personally. I, I like I Iron, like Man, Iron 3. Man three that much. Yeah, that's true. I think Iron Man. I forgot. Cool. Yeah, the critically acclaimed part of the tra- trajectory doesn't work yeah. here. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I agree. Just because I love Sam Rockwell. I There's a problem that. with Iron Man three and the the number of suits and how easily they're destroyed. Yeah, that was my biggest it's a problem bit of with a plot thing. But I really love the aspect of like Tony Stark dealing with PTSD from going into space. That was my favorite part of the that movie. That was the coolest part. Yeah. Um, again, I was connecting I Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen is that his name? Lightning McQueen. Oh, that's right. <laughs> is that's Steve the... McQueen like a director? No, that's an actor. Oh, 
Lightning McQueen is a clear reference to the actor, the famous actor, Steve McQueen. Anyways, Steve McQueen of the McQueen family lineage, of course. Usually that's how it works. Although his name could be made up considering Hollywood actor names. But anyways, number seven. Oh, as website IGN reports, Netflix has ordered two seasons of an animated TV series adaptation of the Ubisoft developed video game series Splinter Cell. John Wick creator Derek Kolstad is set to executive produce and write the series. The Splinter Cell franchise spans seven video game iterations, following NSA secret agent Sam Fisher as he performs covert stealth operations. The most recent sequel to the Splinter Cell video game series was launched in 2013. Adrian, what do you make of this news? It's a little bit weird, I think, considering that there hasn't been a Splinter Again, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Splinter Cell. I don't really care all that much, but I just I feel for the fans of the video game series because not only are they teasing... Sam Fisher, who's the main character in the uh, Splinter Cell games, and I guess the soon-to-be series, he was like in a random mission in like the Ghost Recon Wildlands game, and they just released some random mobile game where he's one of the main characters, and now they're doing a TV show. It almost seems like they're teasing like a video game release, which is kind of cool. Hopefully, that's happening though. I hope the problem is what if it's not happening because people have been clamoring for this for a long time. Yeah, man, and forever. I mean, since 2013. Yeah, man, that's essentially forever. So it's weird. It's, it's to me, it's a little strange. Uh, I don't get why they would do this. Just launch the game first. Like you know, do you know that you have fans for it? So then, why wouldn't you launch the video game iteration, like the next sequel, based on the fact that you you know you have people that would watch this series? It's a strange concept to me. Hundred percent. Again, if you talk to any Splinter Cell fan, they're usually a little bit bitter, almost like Half Life fans. Uh, again, another famous video game series this time created by valve the developer this one created by ubisoft it's a surprise that ubisoft would team up with netflix to create this series without just launching a game game first so an interesting tidbit is that this information of the splinter cell tv show leaked so it wasn't officially announced by ubisoft and ubisoft actually declined to comment on it they're having a another they call it the ubisoft forward which is like kind of like a virtual press conference coming in september so it is like possible that they were planning on announcing this in that forward event and then announcing the game itself, like a, a new game itself. Maybe, maybe they were just unlikely to do the game and then let Netflix announce. That's a, that's a possibility so, for sure. So may, maybe that's the plan. But I don't know. I find it uh, especially interesting because I feel like Ubisoft is kind of delving into like the TV show and movie sort of atmosphere ecosystem because. Previously, they announced, I don't know if you recall, like the Division movie that was supposed to star Jessica Chastain and Jake Gyllenhaal. Like they both, they were both signed on and we haven't heard anything about that for over like two years. So it was supposed to be a Splinter Cell movie with Tom Hardy as Sam Fisher. Do you remember that as well? No, I don't. I yeah, don't. So that would have been awesome. I love Tom Hardy. I wish he was in everything. It just fell through. So that wow. was supposed to happen as well. And that didn't happen. Interesting. So I feel like they're really pushing this um, almost multi sort of entertainment thing. So not only are they going to do video games, but they'll also do, you know, movies and TV shows. I'm sure they have random Ubisoft comic books and stuff like that based on their own like franchises. Um, have they launched anything yet game wise that you can recall? Recently, think about anything that they've launched as a movie from one of their franchises that's extremely popular. I'm sure there's something we're missing. Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. They oh, launched yeah. the Assassin's, Assassin's Creed, Creed movie with, with Michael, Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. 
Yeah, so they already did. They they already dived into that to a certain extent, and I don't believe that movie was critically well received by any stretch of the imagination. Now that trailer didn't look good, so that's why I didn't watch it. Yeah, it had that awful music. It didn't fit the period. It didn't make no. any sense to me. Some random like hip hop rap song. Which I was again, confused. it's not my kind of. It's not my cup of tea. Not to say that it's horrible. Michael Fassbender is pretty great though. I love so Michael. Maybe should have given it maybe a, a little bit of a chance, but I don't think it. Again, as you mentioned, wasn't very well received. Yeah, critically. Apparently, there's a, detec- a detective's cut. A director's cut of that movie that has yet to see the light of day speaking of detectives the last minute ad- addition we could just talk about it here briefly maybe to the montage was the fact that the detective pikachu director is he's making essentially for netflix another ubisoft property in beyond good and evil beyond good and evil yeah yeah i, I heard about that <laughs> because you sent me a link on it not that we talk we do send links to each other, but we don't talk. Anyways, yeah, I definitely this saw that as well. This is a strange one, too. This was a movie, though, not a TV series. And it's gonna oh, this be, is a movie? Yeah, it's going to be a mixture of animation in that, just like Detective Pikachu, they're going to use CG elements with live action in a movie. there's a lot of anthropomorphic animals in, in, the, game in the game series. Again, Beyond Good and Evil is like a space drama type thing where you Do you have any attachment to the game? The character Jade. I haven't played the, the game. But Me neither. that's the weird thing about this. is another property that they just can't seem to release as a game they've have a sequel in the works they've had it in, in the works and have hyped it for years they showed gameplay like three four years ago like that like relatively extensive alpha demo that looked beyond amazing it looked great and they just don't have a release date at all so hopefully again that ubisoft forward conference you just alluded to earlier maybe they'll announce the beyond good and evil release date but again it's, it's odd to me that they would talk about a TV, sorry, a movie in this case, but not have the game that they've already said they're going to launch coming out. So yeah. It's, it's a little odd. We'll, we'll see what happens. But Definitely. Ubisoft and Netflix are teaming up in a big way. I wonder what's next. Like a Rainbow Six. Sure. <laughs> like TV show or... Uh, Far Cry. Far Cry would be... Um, kind of neat because you could do cool. whatever you want. You could just yeah. do... Because it's a series that's iterative. Yeah, it's it an anthology a, series, essentially. A, a neat idea. I think they could. Uh, I think that's like one of their only properties that I think they could do incredibly well, or that the actually villains have. are so cinematic. Like they just again, they just cast but Giancarlo, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. They had Michael Mando, who also was in Better Call Saul, as we mentioned last episode, yeah. in in Far Cry in the Far Cry video game series. So it'll be interesting to see if they could again. Just creating villains is what they seem to specialize at for the Far Cry series. So creating a movie out of that actually might be quite neat. Yeah, I, I would like to see that. Alrighty, cool. That's it for the news. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, according to Variety, an Adam McKay-produced limited series is in development at HBO based upon the Brendan Borrell book The First Shot that centers around the search for a coronavirus vaccine. Hmm, is this fictional? Number two, as Deadline reports, Warner Media is investigating Ellen DeGeneres' show Ellen for allegations of a toxic work culture. Ellen, out of all the people. Number three. As reported by Variety on July 30th, Oprah Winfrey launched a new interview TV series called The Oprah Conversation on the Apple TV Plus streaming platform. I can't wait to not watch it. Number four. According to Deadline, Stanley Tucci will star in Alejandro Amenabar's AMC TV series La Fortuna. The story follows the team attempting to recover stolen treasure by Tucci's character, Frank Wilde. I wonder what the treasure is. It's lost treasure from the ocean, apparently. Number five. According to website NME, 
a film about Hollywood sexual procurer Scotty Bowers, is in development by screenwriters Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, and director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino. Interesting. Very interesting. Number six. As reported by the BBC, the movie theater chain View is looking to open many of their theaters on August 7th with COVID-19 precautions in place. Wonderful. I love movie theaters. Number seven. As reported by website Collider, Amy Adams will star and produce a movie adaptation of the yet-to-be-released Rachel Yoder novel, Night Bitch. It's about a dog in the night. Not sure that's true. Number eight. Variety has reported that Amazon has purchased the rights to Regina King's directorial debut, One Night in Miami, which follows the story of Cassius Clay, Malcolm X, and Jim Brown as they together shaped the civil rights movement in the 1960s. Regina King, the queen of the Watchmen TV series. Number nine. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Amazon Studios has greenlit a Lady Macbeth musical with Scooter Braun and Channing Tatum producing. What about the male Macbeth series? Seriously? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Number 10. As IGN reports, showrunner Craig Mazin reassures fans that HBO's The Last of Us TV series only aims to enhance and not undo the original game series. Good. Do not change The Last of Us 2 story. You want to change it? Don't do it. Don't you dare do it. I'm sick of you freaking people complaining about the storyline of The Last of Us Part 2, acting like you know these characters better than the freaking creator. How about you shut up? You shut up, you take it. You, t- you Either you enjoyed the story or you didn't. But if you didn't enjoy the story, you shut up. I don't want to hear it anymore. You, you complain about this SJW like agenda, you shut up about that too. You, you especially shut up if you're going to complain about that. You're worried about lesbians being a main character? Shut up about that. You know what? You're worried about a, a trans character being in the game, in, in the in the TV show, or in, in the movie, or in the game? Shut up. You know what? Everyone complaining about this fantastic series needs to shut up. I love it. What a brisk verdict. Number eleven. According to Deadline, Detective Pikachu director Rob Letterman has been hired by Netflix to direct a movie adaptation of developer Ubisoft's space adventure video game Beyond Good and Evil. I swear to God, we just talked about that. And that concludes the montage. <laughs> Wow, another another long montage. We are now on to our segment that dives into new releases for next week or this week, I suppose. The movie's releasing this week. The, the, this is the segment of it. This is all the segments of the, of all of all the movies releasing this week, according to the hit website, the most notable website known to man. The most the the website we can always count on m dot the hyphen numbers dot com the best website on the internet clearly for figuring out when movies no, just in general. are releasing just the best website period so there's a few movies that are coming out this week mind you all of these are cross referenced with multiple websites I made sure to check if these movies were coming out through multiple websites so if I'm wrong it's because at least two to four websites were wrong. I just want to I just want to be clear about that. It's not my fault. If it's anyone's fault, blame Simon. Anyways, the first movie coming out, uh, so there's a few movies coming out. So it's not necessarily the first movie that's coming out, but these are the all these movies that I'm about to list are coming out on August the 7th. Are you prepared? I'm hear? prepared. Dude, awesome awesome. I've been prepared for the last 2 minutes. Okay. So the first movie that I have written down is a movie called Black Water Abyss. It's releasing, once again, on August 7th. Some sort of like PG-rated crocodile horror movie. There's water. There's a crocodile trying to kill people. Um, Sounds like your kind of movie. 
Honestly, it does. I love these kinds of movies. I, I like sometimes I just want to see people get killed. You know what I mean? That's why I love Live Leak. Anyways, uh, it's currently at a thirty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, it's a thirty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so not doing too well. No, that's not good at all. No, there's reviews? twelve reviews. Oh, okay, that's pretty low. Yeah. Um, Anything can happen. So yeah, that's that's coming out. That's coming out. The next movie coming out. This one's a little bit weird. Because it is listed as coming out on August the 7th theatrically as well as digitally on multiple sites. But the trailer says it's coming out digitally at a different date. So this one's a little bit weird. It's called I Used to Go Here. So it's uh, aimed to come out again August 7th theatrically. And then it's said to come out September 14th digitally in the trailer. I checked this on IMDb, Google, Rotten Tomatoes. They all said August 7th. The trailer is the only one that says that it's coming out. It seems out. like, again, they're not updating these things because of COVID-19. So COVID-19. It's, it's a weird one. It, it is odd. However, this movie is actually sitting at like 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Quite a few reviews. It's starring Jillian Jacobs. Gillian Jacobs. Jillian Jacobs. I think it's Jillian. Jillian. Uh, she's in uh, Community, most notably. She's also in the Netflix original series Love, which I really love. And it also has uh, Jermaine Clement. Jermaine Clements. He's... Um, most notably in, um, at least for me, What We Do in the Shadows, the movie. He's in, he's Tomatoa in um, Moana. He is in a bunch of other stuff that I can't think of off the top of my head. But yeah, he's in it. So that's pretty cool. That is, again, aimed for an August 7th theatrical release. However, most notably, I think it is actually coming out September 14th digitally. So I didn't want to say that. The next movie coming out is Made in Italy. Once again, this is estimated for August 7th. Google and IMDb both say this. The trailer just says summer. It is starring Liam Neeson, and it is a uh, father-son sort of comedy drama. Um, No action in this one, eh? No action in this one. Oh, cool. Except his wife is dead. And guess what he's doing with his son? He's murdering the, the, the people that killed his wife. Anyways. That's not actually the plot of the movie, but his wife is dead in the movie. Doesn't sound like much of a comedy. No, but his wife's dead. Oh, in the movie? Yeah, she is. That's not a joke. That part wasn't a joke. The rest was. The next movie coming out is Pay Dirt. According to Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, as well as Google, it is coming out on August 7th, starring Val Kilmer. So that's some sort of like crime movie, crime drama movie. I watched the trailer. Looks pretty mediocre at best, I'll be honest. It looks very... Not entertaining. Not something I ever want to watch. Ooh. And uh, the final movie that is coming out that I'm actually incredibly excited for. This is the one movie, along with I Used to Go Here, but uh, this movie I 100% want to watch, The Tax Collector. Me too. Yeah, this the David Iyer movie. Exactly. David Iyer. It's starring Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Got permanent tattoos just for the role. Yes. Method um, acting all the way. And it is for sure coming out, according to the trailer, Rotten Tomatoes, Google, IMDb. It is releasing digitally, apparently, just for VOD. And that actually made me think of another movie that I watched this week that I failed to mention. Just super brief. The Peanut Butter Falcon, starring um, Shia LaBeouf. I watched that. Fantastic. Yeah. I highly recommend it. I don't want to go too deep into it because we're way past that point. But I highly recommend watching The Peanut Butter Falcon. It came out last year. It's incredibly wholesome incredibly lighthearted it's adorable i loved it i absolutely loved it please watch it it's on uh, crave tv here in canada cool and those are the movies coming out this week according to m.the-numbers.com the most reputable site in movies releasing <laughs> that's, that's right well 
Let's reach into the mailbag for a moment here, shall we? On a weekly basis, we ask our listeners to write into us with comments and questions by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. Kenneth Stadelbauer wrote into us once more, and he said, Firstly, Simon, how do you pronounce bouquet, ballet, and swish LA? Yeah, thought so. It's not pronounced like that. It's ten a. Wait. No. Is he writing, it's tenet? Oh, no. Yeah, he is writing it's Tenet. I feel like there should be an, uh, a, a pregnant pause. I think that's what he's doing, yeah. It's not pronounced like that. Pregnant pause. It's Tenet. It's Tenet. It's Tenet? I don't know what tenet. you're thinking. Tenet. It's Tenet. Yes. It's Tenet? Tenet. I, I, I think it's supposed to be a question mark here, actually. It's Tenet? No, this is confusing. Tenet? Ken. Tenet? Ken, you got to work on your grammar here. I, I can't read this. Although, your grammar's to be honest, it's Tenet. I don't know what you're thinking. And then he literally goes into a in brackets part here. My humor isn't really meant for text. I'm more of a verbal humorist. Unless I'm naked, <laughs> then it's visual. All right. Nextly, phenomenal yeah. show. So much stuff in development production post right now. As a studio is open with adjustments for the pandemic, it looks like 2021 will have a ton of things in the can waiting for release. If when theaters release in 2020, what do you choose to show? I'm actually hoping that since major studios will want high-end revenues for blockbusters, we may actually see more indies in theaters this year. Hollywood normally makes about 600 movies a year, but some of them you had to drive 50 kilometers or more to find a theater that screens them, and that will be for a limited run. Also, older movies are getting a revival in theaters, drive-ins in Canada, but also indoor theaters in the irrational states due to lack of new releases. Thanks for the podcast. Can't wait for a fifth. Signed, Kenneth. And in quotations here, quote, Outside of a dog, a book is a man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read, unquote. <laughs> a quote by Groucho Marx. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The comedian. Yeah, the, the socialist. No. no <laughs> that's Carl. <laughs> Not to be confused with Carl <laughs> Marx. Anyways. Uh, Good yeah. news, Ken. Technically, you don't have to wait for the fifth episode at this point in the show because you've already listened to most of it. Yeah, you should have said sixth episode, Ken. Huh. Guess what? You won't have to wait for the sixth episode if you watch this next Monday. Don't do that. Try and keep up with it. Yeah. It's, it's more, it's it helps us out. Anyways, thanks again, Ken, for writing in. I, I do appreciate it. I br- appreciate the insight as, as always. Again, anyone listening to the show, please write in. Uh, but in this topic of movies to release and to show, there is a question of, again, are we going to see... More indies this year? Yeah. Will we see more indies, theoretically? There was actually a belief, I read an article saying that we won't see any indies, That's interestingly. So it's an interesting thing that there's a belief that it could go either way, I guess. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, there's a, there's a money issue, the risk, the risk we talked about last week. Will we see these movies come to pass because of the risk of, of making them? Blockbusters that they know are a sure thing, like superhero movies are still likely to come, come to be, or Jurassic World movies. But what will we see oh, yeah. with the smaller directors that can't necessarily afford it and require investors to invest? Is I think it's the big question of what might happen. But it would be nice to see theater. I think he's he's refer- referencing at least for the the mean, meantime uh, the movies that have already gone to festivals and have kind of already gone through the circuit and don't really take big theatrical releases or don't happen as often, except for movies again that you drive very far to get to. So it will be interesting to see if we start seeing more artsy films in the coming months while we don't get it. Actually, like The Rental is a good example. Yeah, The Rental did fairly well in theaters, if I recall. 
we didn't get to see it in Canada at all because there's no theaters open. Also, they didn't make it available on any service in Canada. To you can't even to rent watch. it. The rental was Dave Franco's directorial debut with Alison Brie yeah. starring. It's a horror movie. Thriller. Thriller. Semantics. Look at you. Look oh. at you. Charmed up Shaw. But anyways, yeah, so that's something to, to consider. I'm curious to see. What do you think? Do you think that's going to happen? I I don't know, man. Uh, do we'll see more indies now. In drive like is an it. interesting one. I, I feel like I, I looked at our local drive-in in Guelph, and I found that they were playing movies that are really old. I, yeah, they they played Back to the Future recently. They played. Uh, yeah, that's what uh, Ken is referencing here. It would be nice to see indie movies. I would love. I would go see it, but they they're not going to drum up any interest. Maybe for that, that's maybe the criticism. But I don't know. I like. I think I kind of get where he's coming from, or where Ken's coming from, uh, in the sense that the indie movies don't necessarily rely all that heavily on like movie theater experience or like the movie theater sales. That's my assumption. Usually, like indie movies, you know. They get the traction after they, you know, are nominated for an Oscar and then everyone pays for the streaming and everything along those lines. Like Parasite is a prime example when that was nominated for the Oscar and when it won the Oscar, it had so many rentals on iTunes and like it was still playing in theaters, but I think it probably got most of the money like through rentals on these streaming services. So I don't know. I kind of, I kind of see where he's coming from now that, you know, the blockbusters aren't willing to risk putting their movies in theaters and then, you know, not gaining any profit. These indie movies that have less to lose, arguably more to lose, but you know, like they, they don't rely on the uh, movie theater ticket sales as much. They'll just be placed in the movie theaters. And now we'll have these random smaller indie movies that we can just go ahead and watch. Well, any movie theaters that are scrambling to try to reopen or to drum up business, they don't have anything to show because no one's willing to release their movies to take the risk in the first place. So they're willing to put something like the rental in theaters. Yeah. Theoretically, Cineplex as it opens should put the rental in theaters here. That actually might be the spot that we see it before we even see it on video on demand. Just yeah. because of some weird rule that, again, it's on Hulu. I don't get why we can't so have some translation here for Canada. They were just ignored. But regardless, I think that would be happen actually. So if Cineplex opens in the next few weeks, we might see the rental as one of the first movies that uh, launch. Yeah, like there's a there's a movie. So I mentioned it last week. This Summerland movie that I talked about, where the trailer essentially reveals the entire plot of the movie. Right. That's really that released digitally uh, for VOD. However, there's a small cinema nearby, Princess uh, Cinemas, that's playing in Princess this week. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So I think it kind of adds to Ken's point. I can I can definitely see where he's coming from, and I I would love it if we got to see more indie flicks in these bigger bigger theaters because you and I would always have to go to Princess to see all those like Oscar nom movies that's where I watch Parasite right it's a little like bit that. of a drive well at least yeah. for me anyway it yeah, would be it's, nice it's closer to my place but yeah yeah it would be nice if we had it in the mainstream yeah just like theaters exactly that that'd be stellar so i don't know i i hope that's the case it would be really nice because then ideally these smaller indie movies will actually make more money because Everyone that's hankering to go back to the movie theaters will go just to watch these movies that hypothetically they probably wouldn't have watched otherwise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Good points. Good points for sure. So I I hope that's the case. I'm I'm super excited. And yeah, I don't know. I I still really want to watch the rental. It's relatively well received. I think it's in the mid 70s on Rotten Tomatoes as an example. So critics are seemingly liking it. Yeah, if, if that went into the theaters, I would definitely go watch it there, considering I can't fucking watch it anywhere else. Palm Springs as a prime example. That, which That's is the literally, most annoying one. I want to see that badly. Yeah, me too. Can't it's it. literally stuck on Hulu in, in the States. You can't rent it anywhere. There's was no the rental on Hulu it. as well? Sorry, I said that earlier, but I'm not sure. I thought uh, that was the case, but maybe no, I got them No, no, no. Rental is only VOD. The rental is only available as a rental. <laughs> on Digitally. Yeah, okay. digital services. Sounds so um, I... 
uh, I actually got a VPN to see like if I can access these movies. And again, uh, Hulu, you re- you require an American credit card, yeah, so no, there's no way of accessing it. I tried to get and Hulu then, before with it, a tactic. It's, it's too not, difficult. It's not you could do it. It's just why would you spend the time and get an American credit card? You have to have an address in the states. It's just it's a ridiculous. Waste of time. I want to pay for it. Take my money is like dude. Yeah, like literally taking my money. I even tried to rent the rental because I got the VPN and it just wasn't letting me. No. So that was incredibly frustrating. But whatever. I'll live with it. Ugh. Yeah. Again, thank you, Ken, for writing in. We also got another I love you. Uh, another gentleman wrote into us. Oliver Papov wrote into us by email and he said, Hi, I find Amuleto short film series to be really cool and decent quality, considering. You guys should review it. Thanks. What is Amuleto? So Amuleto is essentially it's like a it's a film aggregator for short films that kind of go through the festival circuit. Their whole mission statement is, well, I'll just read it here, actually. I've got a little blurb from their their website. Have a short film that needs eyeballs? Let Amaletto play Moneyball with your film. The company is one part programming, one part data analytics, comprised of teammates spread across the world. What started as an experiment during the early Wild West days of YouTube turned into a successful launching point for short films, some landing anywhere from 20,000 to 20 million views. So the concept they grab movies or the sh- these short films, they get submitted to their, their platform, and then they make them popular by figuring out algorithms on Google, etc., to make them popular because these short films, they'll even win a festival. But the problem with them is that they still don't get viewed. They'll be thrown on, on YouTube, and then nobody ever e- even sees them. And so that's kind of a crime in their eyes, and they want to make sure that this gets exposure. Because again, not everyone goes to these festivals, and then afterwards they're just forgotten. So that's kind of the idea. I watched one short film from Amaletto. Uh, it's a Stephen Yoon uh, short film, actually. So I was thinking... For Made next, by him or starring him? He's a star. He's starring in it. It's about eight minutes, I think. So I was thinking for next week, we can watch a couple of these short films just to investigate the Amaletto website, take a little bit of a look at it, at a gander at Oliver's request here, and just uh, tell us, you know, tell the, I guess, the audience our thoughts on, on how it runs and some of these short films. Because some of these short films are are really well made because again they're festival winners so it's definitely worth a, a shot heck it's, yeah man i'm so kind of like this. our review of quibi i was literally just about to say that yeah it reminds me of quibi almost in however, a way kind of yeah however, it's not its own streaming and, service yeah and it's free right yeah it's free you cool. don't have to even pay anything so it's kind of cool 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 uh i know like ari aster director of midsummer and um hereditary he released like a few short films on youtube as well that i i've been meaning to watch i'm curious if they might be on amaletto then just for exposure i think they've been in this game for a little while cool man yeah that's that's an awesome idea i'm i'm super down to talk about that and uh, give a little review on that so that's i guess my homework and if you are also a viewer and you're willing to um Watch it yourself. I'd love to hear any viewers' feedback. You can write in to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. Give Amaletto uh, a try and let us know what you think about it as well because that is what I will do for you next week. Excellent. Thank you, Oliver Popov, for writing in and I love telling you. us your thoughts. You love him? Uh, yeah. I don't I don't know him. I feel like you, when you said I love you to me, it means less now because this is a random You know what? I take it back. Person. I take it back. Can we cut this out? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm leaving it in. Oh no! You know what? So, so like, here, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me just let me take a step back. Okay. I'm in love with you. Oh my god! I think this is, no, let's just end the show here. I think we're done, right? I think we're done. Yeah. Let's call it. Thank you for listening 
to the fifth episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. You, you know, you know, I, I'm going to sign off, but before I do so, I want, I want everyone to hear this and hear this and remember this and fall asleep to this. Batman v Superman is a great movie. Anyways, take care. Goodbye. Take care once again.